Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What is going on, everyone? Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Huss with you. Great to be back home, sweet home, back in the peg after an amazing couple weeks out in Qatar at the World Cup. We're going to get right down to business today, though, on a packed show. Tons of Jets content to get to coming out of... uh, Sort of a weird weekend. Uh, major dud served up on Friday night and that looked very similar in the first period last night against the Ducks in the matinee. But the team was able to turn it around, get it together, and get a valuable two points. And you know what? Tomorrow is the return of Paul Maurice as the Florida Panthers come to town as the Jets look to finish their homestand on a winning note. Two and one now on this current homestand before hitting the road. We got a big show, as I mentioned. We'll talk a lot of Jets. Jamie Thomas from Jets TV and Jets Radio CGOB will pop on first up. And then Jeff Hamilton a little bit later on for the Winnipeg Free Press. We'll get Hammer's thoughts on everything going on with the local squad, as well as some bomber news and the latest on the CFL offseason. After that, Remo and I will dive into a a busy, busy weekend in the National Football League. Lots to get to. And, of course, tonight's Monday Nighter between the Bucks and Saints, as well as keep an eye on the World Cup right now. Japan out after losing a penalty shootout to Croatia earlier today. And right now, as we go live on YouTube, Brazil and South Korea kicking off in another round of 16 match from Qatar. Great to be with you all. And as I mentioned, it is great to be back. A little foggy. The uh, the time zones uh, are definitely kicking in. I will say, though, I think it was easier to come back to Canada than it was to go ahead nine hours. And uh, doing those shows at 10 p.m. was very, very weird. But as I mentioned, overall dream trip of a lifetime. Thanks so much to Cool Bet for making that happen. And uh, we will get to the Cool Bet lines a little later on today on the program as well. Listen, before we get going, I have to thank our sponsors, including Cool Bet, Princess Auto, not Auto Corp, Consolidated Supply, Marbles, Mania is coming. We'll tell you about that very soon. But, uh, you Marble fans are going to want to be with us daily through December because we got a lot of fun stuff coming up, including your chance to win Bomber Season tickets courtesy of Consolidated Supply, Avita Health, Wallace & Wallace, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, F Apparel, Canadian Club Whiskey, Culligan Water, Boston Pizza, and of course, Little Brown Jug, and our great friends Nick and Nikki at the Nick and Nikki DQ Group. All right, let's get to it. Welcome to everyone with us live on YouTube right now. Great to have you with us, podcast listeners. Always appreciate you making us a part of your day. And uh, let's bring in the workhorse, Michael Remus, who uh, did quite a bit of double duty last week. And uh, how's the voice? Uh, you were you were very close to going on the DL yourself, and uh, we were already down a man, so uh, you gutted it out. <laughs> yeah, it got rough at the end of Friday's show. Still not 100%, but uh, definitely better than Friday, and I'm happy. I don't know if I could do whole two hours like this but uh i'll you know i'll make it in here so uh i'm feeling good it was a great uh, another great sports weekend with the jets friday although that game was uh pretty disappointing especially watching patrick line score two and could have been three on the jets um and then sunday you know jets and nfl all day so i had a great time uh watching that too so uh big win yesterday thankfully we don't have to talk about another Another loss because after that uh, first period, it was it was rough. But I, I'm feeling good. So uh, nice to see you back here in Winnipeg, and glad you survived all the jet lag. Yeah, definitely. I I got back relatively late on Saturday. 
Went out for a couple. I was up late because, I mean, I had been sleeping quite a bit on the flight, on and off. Got about five hours last night or Saturday night and then got an extended sleep yesterday. Borderline hibernation. Uh, made it through the first half of the Cowboys game uh, and then rocked it right through till this morning. So I think I'm pretty much back on a regular schedule. We'll see how things go tonight. But bottom line is... Much like I was doing at 10 p.m. in Qatar, it's 1 p.m. live in Winnipeg, and it's time to chalk Jets and that much more. Well, you know, Remo, we're going to hear some Rick Bonus, and I thought Bonus this week, this weekend, um, I think really put on display why, first of all, he's been effective so far this season in, you know, instilling a new way of doing things with his Winnipeg Jets, but also um, his frankness and his candor when speaking about his team's performance, um, very much appreciated by the fans. Um, he hated the game on Friday, as I think most people that attended the game or watched the game did, um, and certainly did not hold back yesterday about a slow start for his Winnipeg Jets against an Anaheim Ducks team that's right at the bottom of the NHL standings, was playing their third game in four nights and was playing on the second end of back-to-backs. Luckily for the Jets and their fans, the team did get it together Dylan Sandberg with his first NHL goal, a big, big part of the comeback. And then the third period, the Jets finally uh, beat Anthony Stolarz a couple times and uh, were off to the races, winning 5-2, avoiding what could have been a really disastrous weekend that started off on a real stinker on Friday night. Yeah, well, coming into the weekend, you're like, okay, the Jets are playing two teams that are at the bottom of their divisions. Columbus has had a rough season. They've had a number of injuries. And Anaheim, you know, they just haven't uh, haven't won games. So, you know, you're, you're like if you're gonna have one stinker every three wins over the course of a season, I mean, it's still a 750 win percentage. So, you know, disappointing about Columbus, especially watching Line A score two and uh, sticking it to the fans. I mean, you don't want you don't want to see that, but to have it happen again on Sunday, um, extreme disappointment after that first period, just the way they came out. But um, this is what they've done all season. They've battled back. They found a way and. You know, in certain games when the top players aren't going, it's the bottom six making an impact on the lineup. And, you know, a, a, I still can't figure out, like, how Saku Manalina got a stick on that and that angle and it managed to go in. Like, really nice pu- you know, pass from the corner. He's in front, banging away. Uh, Sandberg, first of the year, you know, uh, makes up for that uh, gaffe uh, on, the, on the second one. And then uh, Morgan Barron, uh, just a, a nice tic-tac-toe play with Lowry and Manalainen. Looked like it could have been a, a Shifley Wheeler, you know, Connor player, Shifley Wheeler Perfetti goal from uh, <laughs> from the Tuesday game, and so you're like, okay, you're in good shape. And then Mark Shifley with a, a gorgeous snipe. I mean, uh, what a beautiful draw pass from Wheeler, and Shifley finds the corner on Stolars. And and next thing you know, you know they're up four two in a game where they looked absolutely terrible uh, to start. So um, they got the two points, but I think people are really impressed at how Rick Bonus. You know, called them out, what, on Friday and again on Sunday because I don't know if that's something that we've seen in the past. Like, even on Friday, we we did mention Friday, you know, the shots on Sunday, 18-7 uh, to 7 after the first period. I mean, not ideal. No. And then after the Friday performance where you're putting on the fourth line on a power play to send a message. Um, I mean, well, they responded in the second period of, of Sunday's game and got the two points here, so you're happy, but... Um, I mean, I don't know what to make of all this. Uh, I was also thinking, Huss, on Friday, you know, some people said to me that I was too ex- too optimistic about the Jets, Huss. I was already booking 
like playoff tickets uh, last week. I I was looking. Oh, they got eighty percent to make the. I was already making like whiteout party plans on the show, and I think I was like, okay, maybe I need to dial it down a bit. Well, uh, you know, maybe that would have been the case after the Friday game. Yeah. Listen, you know, we always talk about this. I mean, was it Bill Bill Parcells always said, you know, what you are what your record is, and the Jets' record is pretty damn good. Um, and listen, over the course of 82 games, there's going to be a few duds. Unfortunately, that was on a Friday night game uh, at Canada Life Center, which, I mean, the crowd wasn't great, and the Jets really didn't give the, I think, fans very much to to get into. And a lot of people walked away going, oh, my God, you know, here here we go again. But, I mean, that's such a living-in-the-past attitude, to be honest. I mean, this team has bounced back from poor performances all season long this year. They haven't had any extended losing streaks. I believe they've only lost twice in a row once this season so far. So um, so I'm not going to sit here and just completely excuse a real dull performance in a poor game against a team that you should beat. Um, but reality will tell you that's going to happen to every team a few times this year, and it's how you bounce back, which I think is the reason why it was so disappointing the way the team came out yesterday. And we heard that in spades from Rick Bonus, who pulled no punches after the game, saying how disappointed he was uh, about the way his team looked early on. That being said, it's a lot easier to have those conversations after a 5-2 win than if they weren't able to get it going again and ended up dropping two consecutive home games to bottom-dwelling teams in the National Hockey League after beating the Stanley Cup champs 5-0 earlier in the week to start off the entire homestand. Um uh, sometimes th this team will keep you guessing, but uh, overall it's been far more positive than negative. And um, I think the team is in a good spot coming into tomorrow's game, which I don't know about you, but I've had circled on my calendar since the day that the schedule came out. Paul Maurice's return to Winnipeg with the Florida Panthers, who for their part have got it together a little bit. They had this five game road trip. They started off with the losses in Edmonton and Calgary. Two five-one wins over the weekend in Vancouver and Seattle has them two and two and sets up for a very interesting game tomorrow. But listen, before we get to um, our guest, let's dive into a little bit of what Rick Bonus had to say. And let's start it off, Remo, with the Columbus game because that was a game that I don't think a lot of people saw coming. I mean, the team had been playing so well. They had had so much success and, and, and relative consistency with their performances um, and they played very well against some of the poorer teams in the league, making sure they got those two points. That didn't happen on Friday night. And Rick Bonus after the game, we'll go to number six, Reem, uh, after the game was uh, critical of the uh, overall performance of his team in that loss to Columbus. We don't give up the chances that we gave up tonight on the rush. So um, we, that's just not our team. So we talked about that, that we had to tighten it up. We we're still in the game. Clearly, that wasn't our best. Uh, we got a lot of bad performances from a lot of players in that room. We did. Um, the team game kind of went out the window at times, defensively. Um, so we, we try to we try to straighten that out a little bit. We gave them those goals, this terrible coverage that we normally cover really well. Um, but then if you look at the second, uh, we're all over them. It's 3 nothing. We hit the post. We hit some... We score there. Uh, I think we, the whole thing turns around, and then we give them the fourth goal. Just let them stop back checking properly. Simple as that. And that was just Rick Bonus on uh, the performance of the uh, the team against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, disappointing. 
to fall back the way they did. And it really was a lack of attention to detail on the defensive side. I mean, they did generate some chances. I was looking at some of the fancy stats and the XG expected goals were far higher than actually came through. Um, but again, when you have lapses in commitment to your own end, um, you know, you'll serve up some freebies for the other teams. And uh, certainly they didn't give David Riddick a very good, ch Riddick a very good chance on a few of those goals. Uh, here's seven, just a little bit more on uh, uh, the overall performance of the team Friday night in the loss to Columbus. That would be on ice awareness, timely goals like, yeah, on ice aware. But again, it's, it's just the goals they got were just way too easy. We don't give up those goals when we're on our game. So when I say there's a lot of bad performances from a lot of individuals, that's what I'm referring to. Yeah, certainly not uh, certainly not blowing any smoke or uh, painting any rainbows after that one for Rick Bonus. Uh, here's a little bit more on, you know, the lack of a quality forecheck in the game that uh, in the coach's mind was a very big factor in uh, the loss to CVJ. I know you want um, all four lines to look like each other. Uh, I'm assuming that wasn't the case tonight. It wasn't the case at all tonight. Yeah, the Lowry's line, fourth line, I mean, they, they looked like they were giving you some... They were working. They were competing. They were doing the things that they need to do to, to be so, have success on the ice. Yeah, they were there. Were they did their job. I know you didn't like the defending off the rush. Um, it seemed like Columbus was able, able to break out of their zone a little bit easier yeah. than other teams have. Our forecheck, we our forecheck was the structure on a forecheck. That's why they came at us in the first. We were kept losing. We were on the wrong side of guys. And when you're on the wrong side of guys in the forecheck, you're chasing the game. So we're chasing them back instead of cutting them off. When you're above guys, you can cut them off and slow them down. We're, we're just on the wrong side of the guys. We're on the wrong side of the puck, which allowed them to come at us with speed and, and, and made it way. That's what I'm talking about giving up a healthy chance on the rush it starts on the forecheck that's where it starts and the forecheck was just on the wrong side of guys all right there's a uh, rick bonus and um one more from bones from friday night um just discussing the performance of the club just days removed from a five nothing shutout over the defending stanley cup champs and here is bonus on uh if it was a come down after the high of the win against the defending champs it shouldn't. Listen, it's, it's, we're in a dogfight to make the playoffs. Every game's important. I don't care who we play. It's just like I said this morning, we, we set the standards of how we're going to play regardless who we play. And if that, and so that's, and as I told them after the game, it's all on every individual. Look at yourself first. Don't look at anything. Look at yourself first and foremost. All right, so there's Rick Bonus on uh, the team's loss to Columbus on Friday practiced on Saturday as the coach said everybody said the right things and then you come out with a real lifeless performance in the first period being outshot 18 to 7 being down to the Anaheim Ducks and Rick Bonus did not pull any punches yesterday after the game despite the 5-2 win here is Bones on the slow start against the Anaheim Ducks Sunday afternoon it's just not right to start a game like that Listen, I'm the head coach, so I'm responsible for the way we start and getting our team prepared. So it, that starts with me. The second thing is I'm not a babysitter. These guys are men, they're professionals, and they're paid to show up, ready to go to work. My job is to, is to make that happen. The third thing on that would be you cannot play this game without passion, without emotion. You cannot play this game on your toes. And I hate when we're on our toes. So it's not right. 
when we're on our toes, on our heels. I mean, on our heels. Uh, Reba, I don't know about you, but I have listened to that, I don't know, half a dozen times. And uh, there was a couple things that stood out. I mean, he was, I mean, maybe I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but it sounded like he was borderline disgusted with the way that his team came out. And then to drop a line in there like, I'm not a babysitter, was a real a real challenge, I think, to his players, and particularly his most important players, um, for what they brought or didn't bring to the rink yesterday afternoon. And um, listen, we've been impressed. I think everyone has really welcomed the the frankness and the honesty that um, Rick Bonus has delivered to both the team, the media, and the fans this year. And I think there was a lot of fans that felt the exact same way with Rick Bonus. And, uh, you know, when you win a game like that, maybe that is the perfect time to say those sorts of harsh truths um, that sometimes a team needs to hear, even if they have been having quite a bit of success. I mean, it was pretty obvious. Um, this was a game the Jets, you know, should have came out much better. And Anaheim, you know, you always say, oh, it looks like, you know, the Jets are the team that played back-to-back, not Anaheim. Like, that's something that you would have said in that first period of the game. But when you go back to the summer and you think about what kind of coach the Jets were going to hire, this is the coach that you want to see. They've had these starts in the past. And uh, I think I've heard players say, you know, he just he's just disappointed in you and you want to perform you know, perform for him and he makes you want to play better. And that way, I mean, he's not like getting mad. He's just like, come on, guys. I'm not a, I'm not a babysitter here. That's such a, I don't know, a bit of a, I don't want to say demeaning, but I, he's like, these are men here. They should be ready to play. And I think you love hearing that from him. And I think that's kind of why, you know, why people want to play for him, why they think he's such a great, uh, a great coach. And he's been in the NHL for so long. It certainly is a challenge. And I mean, I took it as a challenge to some of the guys in that top six. I mean, your top couple lines, um, because in a lot of ways, it was the bottom six that led the way. Menelainen and Mikey Isimont, who we'll talk to him about a minute in a minute. But um, here's Bones on the bottom six, really leading the way of the team getting back into it yesterday against Anaheim. Yeah, listen, those guys, um, I think we all knew we had a bad first period, so the whole team kind of responded. But someone's got to take charge out there and, and get us going and put some emotion and put some passion back in the game. And it's usually those guys that do it. So they did, they did a great job for us tonight. And again, Hell, he was, Connor was outstanding in the net. He did his job. He gave us a chance to get our get our feet going, get ourselves back into the game. So our, it started with our goalie. Without him in the first, we're probably behind worse than that. So it starts with him, but then it starts with the bottom six. Let's get some passion here. Let's get some emotion. Let's get playing hockey. Emotion and passion. Those were a couple words that came out, Remo. And we've heard this before from Rick Monas. I remember when he came back after missing, what was it, eight of the first ten games. And he was talking about a time where the bench was quiet and they needed to be, they needed to have that passion and that emotion. And it really did get me thinking. And, you know, anyone I think that attends a lot of games and, you know, is there, you know, feeling the ups and downs inside of the building would agree that going back to last season and really the last couple, when the Jets have really been sort of stale or stagnant, there was a real lack of anything remotely close to passion or emotion. And that is something that Rick Bonus absolutely wants to see in his team. And we'll talk a little bit more about this with Jamie Thomas and with Jeff Hamilton. Um, but a guy that brings that every single shift is Mikey Asimont, who has obviously established himself as 
a guy that the coaches can trust and really feel that he's bringing a lot. And we saw Esimont, who was, you know, bumped up to the top six yesterday when things were struggling. Um, the coach had plenty of accolades for one of the newest members of the club on uh, his play. Listen, you, you love what he brings. You, 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 I just talked about emotions, talked about passion, passion. He brings it every shift. And uh, we needed it tonight. And you give him full marks, man, for a guy that uh, I knew nothing about coming into training camp. He had a good training camp. He impressed us there. Um, he would play with the Moose for a while, and we brought him up. Um, man, he, he's been... He's given us that energy that we need, and you love what he brings now, you know. Um, so give him credit for that. All right, so there's uh, Rick Bonus talking about the uh, passion and emotional level of the team, which wasn't there early on yesterday. I want to get to the why not question of the day, and then we're going to bring Jamie Thomas in. I was thinking a lot about this last night and this morning after hearing these comments from Rick Bonus. Who is the emotional leader of the Winnipeg Jets, in your opinion. Um, hit us up in the chat. Hit us up in the comments. The emotional spark plug of the Winnipeg Jets. Who is that right now with this present team? That's our why not question of the day for Not Autocorp at Waverly and McGilvery and online at not.ca. Um, all right, JT's just about ready to go. Couple things we need to get to right off the bat, folks. Don't forget, I mentioned this in the intro. The 12 days of marbles, marbles mania, if you will. The marbles tournament of champions for December is coming to Winnipeg Sports Talk later on this week. We will begin 12 consecutive days with a marble race where the top three marbles will be qualified for our final race of the year on the final day of 2022. And the winner will receive a pair of season tickets for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers 2023, courtesy of our friends at Consolidated Supply consolidated supply are ready for 2023 as well when it comes to irrigation turf golf golf carts and more not to mention if you're thinking about a big project for the home next year talk to them about hot tubs outdoor kitchens and more not to mention small engine parts as well your first choice for spas golf carts outdoor kitchens and more consolidated supply 1395 niaqua road east or check them out online at their brand new website at cte.ca. Um, we will be very shortly announcing our first unsung hero winner of the of the uh, uh, for the first month of the program, along with our friends at Wallace and Wallace. Of course, we've teamed up with Wallace and Wallace and Josh Mortisey uh, to recognize some of the unsung heroes in our community going about their business, making our community a better place. And we need to hear from you, Winnipeg Sports Talk listeners. Send us an email at unsunghero at winnipegsportstalk.com and tell us about the person in your life that selflessly donates their time, effort, and more, whether it be in minor, in minor sports programs, whether it be to charities, whether it be just doing good deeds for people in your community. We'll randomly select one of our nominees. That person will receive an autographed Josh Morrissey jersey. And even better... In the name of the nom the uh, person that nominated, Wallace and Wallace is going to donate $500 to the Dream Factory. And Josh and Margot Morrissey are going to be matching that as well. So we've got a $1,000 donation 
and a great little bit of recognition for an unsung hero in our community. Again, keep those coming in. Unsung hero at winnipegsports.com. And thanks so much to Wallace and Wallace and Josh for teaming up with us on this great program. Uh, hey, our folks at Vita Health are ready for the winter right now. They've got great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries. And hey, folks, when you shop at Vita Health, you're supporting a great local company, family owned and operated since 1936, carrying Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products, too. And I know member November was Men's Health Month, but really every month should be Men's Health Month. And they've got everything you need to complete uh, help relieve prostate issues, reduce stress, and support mental focus from Canadian brands like Prairie Naturals, who donate a portion of sales to the Canadian Men's Health Foundation. Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, and online at their new fully shoppable website at myvita.ca. And hey, folks, of course, with the winter here, Manitoba's Battery is back with us, reminding you that you can save time and money and get the best price on batteries of all shapes and sizes over at Manitoba Battery at 1026 Logan. And when I say save time and money, we're not joking because if you let Manitoba Battery know you need a new battery by 3 p.m., they'll deliver it citywide the same day. There's only one place where you can buy a battery from the comfort of your home and save money while you do it. That's Manitoba Battery. Pop down and see them in person at 1026 Logan. Give them a call or find them online at manitobabattery.com. All right, let's get back to the Jets. An up-and-down weekend, but certainly finished better than it started off. And Jamie Thomas from CJOB Jets Radio and Jets TV joins us now. JT, what's up? How are you? Um, have you had, like, a full documentary on your trip to Qatar yet? Have you, like... The first show back to just been, I'm Andrew Hustler. I'm going to take questions about my trip. That's the issue. That Instead was, of you uh, asking questions, people should come on your show. That was certainly uh, the case uh, when I went out yesterday after the hockey game and uh, watched a little football. Yeah. There was a lot of questions, went through the phone and uh, showed some videos and whatnot. But um, mm -hmm. there'll be time for that. But I think everyone both looking ahead to a big game tomorrow for the Winnipeg Jets and a really yeah. sort of up and down weekend for the club. Um, you know, we had to get right to it. I, let me ask you this, Jamie. Um, what the, the team has been, I think, has exceeded most people's expectations so far. They've bounced back yes. from poor performances so far this season. I'm not sure what was more disappointing about the game on Friday night, just the way that they sort of lacked in some of the things that they've done so well. Maybe it was yeah. magnified because it's coming off a five nothing win at home over the defending <laughs> Stanley Cup champs. You know, I kind of put yeah. it in perspective. It's an eighty two game season, and no one's running the table, and no one's going to be perfect every single night. Um, but how did you see the weekend go, starting with the Columbus game, and then, I mean, a poor start that Rick Bonus pulled absolutely no punches about after the game before the team sort of got it together and got a very important two points heading into tomorrow's game against the Panthers. Yeah, I think the, the main place to start with the game against Columbus was, I think, the opportunities that the Jets had early on that Corpus Allo denied. Like that power play save that Corpus Allo made on Mark Shifley off the one-timer in the slot, that kind of set the tone a little bit for what was going to happen. And, you know, the way things have gone so well for the Jets, those have been going in right away. And then that kind of gets them on in the, in the momentum department. So those ones aren't going in. And then the other part, that we hadn't seen a lot of was the goals off the rush. And a lot of credit has to be given to Johnny Goudreau, who I believe on the third goal, 
Like he puts that puck in a place where nobody else but Boone Jenner can get it. Then Jenner gets it over to uh, Patrick Line and the rest is history. But so the three goals off the rush were concerning. But the thing is that Jets generate enough offense, so you can't be thinking it. Well, Columbus dominated them. So there's just little parts we're looking at and going, okay, well they they were terrible. They weren't. They just gave up things that we hadn't seen them give up a whole lot of this year. And then those were problems earlier through the majority of last year and certainly the year before that. Something offense off the rush or giving things up off the rush. So but now we're getting used to when they have a tough game, we're used to them bouncing back right away. And Anaheim had different ideas in that first period. Just didn't have their legs going. And you get your, what they've done all year, or not done all year, is they've got great goaltending from Connor Hellebuck, right? They, he holds them in, and you heard Adam Lowry talk about it with us last night, and, you know, he holds them in until they get their legs going. So the the it was concerning to watch. Anaheim's terrible. They're obviously in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes, so you don't want to see that on home ice. But the point is, is they fought their way through it, and they scored five unanswered goals. So I get it. You want to, when the expectations are starting to go up right now, People just don't want to see a bad period. They don't want to see them play poorly at home. I just think there was just like a, a slim margin of error that got that killed them on Friday that hadn't killed them all year, except for that game against Minnesota on the road. Now we're getting just so used to them bouncing back and being dominant at home ice. I think people are a little taken aback. It's, it's a noon game, cold outside, it's snowing. You know, they just you just want the home team to get you going and get the, to put that cold weather behind you. But uh, full credit to them. They stayed with it. They got saves at the right time from Connor Hellebuck and then started to take the game over as the game went along. So I feel like a hockey player after the game. My nose is running well, you know, so forgive me while I do this at the end of this one. But um, the key is, is they come in, they score five unanswered. They dominate the way they should be. Like the last two periods were not any Anaheim wasn't any really anywhere near, you know, Connor Hellebuck. It was just they dominated. so. I think what we saw in those final two periods is something they can go off of. And it, it, it's been, it was, it's an emotional up and down roller coaster of a homestand so far, my friend, especially the way they played against Colorado. You just expect them just to cruise through this with the people that are the teams that come into town. But uh, that's not, that, that's the way this year is going to be. Um, I'm not saying there's going to be up and down all the time. It's just not always going to go perfectly for these guys as they work through this. And I, I Rick bonus has high expectations. You have high expectations and the fans are starting to get there right now too. Um, and that's okay. We should, it, it's a much better place to where you are right now, Hustler, than we were last year. Like oh. that's, let's just think about this time last year. We, it's like, they're reeling. Uh, we're stopping and starting the schedule. So there's just, this is, it's okay that we talk about this. I don't mind this. This is, this is way better than well, what we had last year. Well, exactly. Listen, Jamie, I mean, listen, yeah. the record speaks for itself right now. And I dropped the old Bill yeah. Parcells up it. I mean, you know, you are what your record are. The, Jets record is um, totally there's a lot of teams that are very envious of where the Jets are right now. That being said, we're mm-hmm. barely a quarter of the year in and there's a hell of a lot of work left to go. And I think that was one of the messages yes. from Rick bonus. And, you know, he spoke so frankly and honestly yesterday after the game. I mean, still not pleased and going back to the start. I mean, at times in the past, we would have just sort of oh, moved past that. Oh, whatever. They won the They won the yeah. game. It seems like Rick. Well, listen, he was very clear to the media and to the fans afterwards how he felt. And I know you and Paul doing the game probably could have maybe heard Rick from the bench yesterday with what he had yeah. to say for his team at that time, banging on the glass. Um, You know, he wants emotion and passion from his club. He had a lot of it himself yesterday. And I think, to be honest, giving credit where credit is due, 
I think that's a big, big part of, you know, the kickstart that this team obviously needed in that game to get them yeah. going the right direction and ending up with a win that they really needed to have. Yeah, sometimes you need a kick in the pants from the head coach, and that's okay. Uh, if you need to be woken up, and it works, that's the key part. Is he yelling it just into the stratosphere? It's going through, falling on deaf ears? I don't think so. Um, they woke up, and you you want them to be emotionally invested, uh, especially on home ice. You know, everybody's paying top dollar for tickets. It's a, it's a tough time right now. Uh, financially for a lot of people so they're always like okay i gotta go i'm going to the rink i'm gonna forget about what's going on the jets are playing well right now that's what that's what the expectations are so i don't mind that the coach has to verbally you know say things to get his team going because it worked just the key is is that he doesn't have to do it very often and that's what the you know that's where we're look, sitting right now if they want to be one of the dominant teams and fighting for first place in the central all year, and they want to be a first place team. You, you're purely to boss, and you got to act like it. You got to go out there and play like a first place team, not waiting for the other to see what the other team is going to do. Um, you got to take it to them right away. So this is all part of building on this and becoming a more consistent team from start to finish, um, and not relying on your goaltender. And but the the thing is here, they're not leaning on Connor Hellebuck that much, so that is an, an improvement in that aspect. They're not going, I know there's been the 40 save games that he's had every once in a while. He's had his three shutouts this year and he's been brilliant, but it's not, it's not a shooting gallery on most nights. And you're like, Oh boy, where are they? And you, you fluke out a win. I know they've, they've, they've traditionally woken up and played a lot better as the game wears along. So, uh, I mean, we go to this final game of the homestand and the way things have gone so far, you're not quite sure what to expect off the top. Uh, of the game tomorrow night against Florida, but um, we'll, we'll see. I expect them to be a lot better from the start this time because of the way they started against Anaheim. I think they'll be ready to go from the drop of the puck, but uh, Florida, of course, is a pretty good hockey team. There's the emotion of Paul Maurice coming back to town. Um, we'll see how this all plays out. Well, I don't mind telling you, and I've said this a number of times, that when we were splitting season tickets up at the start of the year, this, was, this game yeah. was right at the top of the list, and... I think on a couple of occasions I've mentioned that if the Jets win one game at home all year long, I hope it's tomorrow. Yeah. So uh, there is a yeah, lot more going fair. into this game. But let's, I want to get back to what Rick said about passion and emotion in this team. And I'll just I'll ask you this, and we put it out to the chat. I mean, when I think of the Montreal Canadiens, I know that Brendan Gallagher is that guy. He yeah. is the spark plug. He yeah. is the emotional leader of the team. Who is that guy on the Jets? To me, to me, like he hasn't been around long enough to get there, but he sure is coming up the list real fast. It's Mikey Asimov. But before that, I would probably go Adam Lowry, right? Like I, Lowry's more even keeled when he's on the ice, and I still believe that he's the emotional leader of this hockey team, and it's only a matter of time before that becomes – there's a letter on his chest that's a different variety. Um, but Mikey Asimov, man, like he – like it's going to be very hard when Nikolai Ehlers comes back to see how this looks and who's going to go back because he he is Sam Gagne is the the ultimate Swiss Army knife. He'll go up and down your line if you're playing your power play. But I think Mikey Asimov's quickly going into that place. And Paul Edmonds pointed this out today on Ground Control our podcast. If there's anybody to compare him to, and I'm giving this full credit to Paul Edmonds. Remember, Paul Edmonds said this, not me. a utility voice. Yeah, at Utility Voice on Twitter. Um, he's comparing him to Brandon Tanev. 
And I think that's a fair comparison because, you know, Brandon Tanev was a hunter out there. He's on the puck at all times. He uses his speed. He's tough. He's not afraid to, to go up against anybody. And that's the one thing I love about Mikey Asamod. Like he's challenging guys. He's bumping into them. You can tell there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, relationships against former teams that he, or players that he went up against in the American hockey league that has kind of carried over into the national hockey league. And I love it. I'm all for it. And that is, it has been a challenge for Rick bonus to find somebody to play on the right side with Pierre-Luc Dubois and Kyle Connor. You know, the chemistry is there between Connor and Dubois. No question about that. It's just finding that guy on the right side. They've had Axel Janssen Fialbi. They've had Morgan Barron. Now, to Morgan Barron's defense, he just came back. I think he'll get up there pretty soon and get back to, to pace here right away. And that goal for him was huge last night. And now you've got, and you've also thrown now Mikey Asimont. I think Asimont's been the best fit because of the way he's on the puck. He's kind of that guy that, gritty guy on the right side for these two elite players. Um, I, I'm, I'll be curious to see how much I uh, like this, how long this this line stays together because that's been the thing. They've, they've interchanged that guy on the right side. But my guess is that Mikey Asimov will start there again tomorrow night. And I think he stays there for a little while longer because of how consistent he's been. So well, he's one I, of the greatest about half a year. Yeah, yeah. He's one of the great stories of this season. And, and Rick said himself, yeah. he goes, I'll be honest. I didn't know much about this guy. Thought he looked pretty good in camp. He was one of the guys yes. who was probably sent to the moose mentally before they even got yeah. to a first practice. And yet he gets an opportunity to come up. And it's quite clear, Jamie, that not only has he probably yeah. passed guys, if you're looking at a depth chart, um, you know, moving For up. Sure. But, I mean, no better example than this weekend when things aren't going well. He's getting a bump up to play in the top six. And listen, he brings a lot of tools that can fit with players like that. But we go back yeah. to the words that we were just talking about, passion and emotion. And yeah. sometimes those guys, certainly on the weekend, it seemed, if you listen to the coach, that group needed a bit of a spark like that. And Mikey Isamont has been delivering it for the Winnipeg Jets. Well, and you look at who were who was the most consistent lines in that first period and even the first half of the hockey game. It was the bottom six. It was it was Augustus in line. It was the Lowry line that carried things. And now the penalty kill played a role in this as well. But it was the bottom six forward group that kept the Jets around. Whenever that fourth line came out, they've been so good this year about the puck in the other end. You know, saying the third line, Lowry line, starting to produce some offense and move the puck around and pressure and hit and and get that emotion going in the hockey game. So it was only just a matter of time, and it only makes sense that Mikey Asimov, who's been the spark plug in this whole thing, moves his way up into the, into the top six. And look how things start to roll from that point on for the top six forward group. And once they get going, uh, then it's look out, especially against a team that lacks depth like Anaheim. Um, and certainly Columbus, if it would have worked out the other night as well. So, I mean, that is fantastic that you have a player like that on your roster because to me, the one guy that has been irreplaceable has been Brandon Tanev. Like, it's that 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 was as tough a loss as going to be. And clearly, that contract is is you're not going to pay him that to keep him around in town with the way the salary cap was fitting for the Jets at the time. But that's been a hard guy to replace. Um, he's fantastic on the penalty. It was, you know, it was great on the penalty kill. He delivered a huge hit there now and then, um, that got the fans going and would even chip with the goal that got everybody going as well. And one of my favorite jets moments is Brandon Tanev's hat trick against Boston. So 
Um, been very hard to find a guy like that. Mikey Aceman is as close as it gets. And uh, he, he's been huge since he's came up in the American Hockey League. Well, and, and, and listen, if we want to, you know, focus on a few real positives coming out of a game like that, is that, yeah. I mean, for a while, and particularly last season, we certainly heard it in the chat. I mean, the bottom six at times was a bit of a black hole. I mean, I thought Adam Lowry had yeah. a great second half to the season. And listen, I don't want to pin this all on Christian Veselainen, but I, did mention that he was carrying him around on his back like a grand piano for the better part of those 50 games that he was playing with him. Um, and we saw what yeah, Lowry did in the second half of last season. Um, but the addition of Gustafson and Gustafson in a two-way game yeah. has been put out there in high leverage situations by Rick Bonus. They've earned the trust. And then you have a guy like Saku Menelainen chipping in last night. You mentioned AC Mont, Morgan Barron. Um it's good at times. I mean, your top guys are not going to be at that top level, 82 out of 82, and to have a, yeah. a, a depth group of players that can step up, not only with scoring, but also to bring some of that energy that the team obviously was lacking early on, I think is actually quite a good sign going into a game that no one should be lacking emotion dropping the puck tomorrow night at yeah. Canada Life Center. Yeah, and you look at even so. Let's look at Morgan Barron. He's been he's one of the team's best penalty killers. David Gustin, one of the team's best penalty killers. Why is the Jets penalty kill so good? Well, look at those two players. Gustafson still has some work in the faceoff circle, but that's the only hole in his game. And there is nobody that he is so good in his own end. He's always in the right place, knocks down pucks like he. The fact that when he was drafted, and Paul Maurice at the time said we are grooming him to be our fourth line center. Well. That's he has filled that role. And I know there was talk, you know, a lot of Kenny Weeb was pushing for him to come up all a lot last year. But I think the amount of time that he developed in the American Hockey League, and I know he had his health issues too, staying healthy. But man, like David Gustafson has been a great story this year as well. And a top six not always is not, they're going to be taken out. So as Rick Bonus said, you need your bottom six, your defensemen to step up and to chip in some offense. And they've done that. And, uh, you know, for a team that, Lost three of their top, you know, so top nine forwards, uh, and they're still down two of them right now. They're doing pretty well, and it's they're they're hanging in there without Nikolai Ehlers and Mason Appleton, and that says a lot about the depth up front, and also a tribute and a credit. And we don't we do this a lot, but we should do it a little bit more. Full credit to Mark Morrison and company and the development they've been doing now in the American Hockey League, let alone the Manitoba Moose. Yeah, no doubt about that. Jamie Thomas is with us here in Winnipeg Sports Talk, discussing the Jets' weekend and looking ahead to. Tuesday against the Florida Panthers. Um, we've got to mention Dylan Sandberg. You know, years from now, yes. that first NHL goal will be described as a 105-mile-an-hour rocket to the top corner. Yeah. Uh, wasn't quite that. Top but, cheese. <laughs> wasn't quite that. Um, but, man, nice to see him get rewarded. Not to mention the confidence that Rick Bonus showed him after – you know, a little bit of a gaff early on that, um, you know, he said, hey, that's going to happen in hockey. He goes out, is a big difference maker in the game, and, of course, gets that first goal to put on the plaque. Yeah, it, and the unfortunate part is just how long it took, right? Just all those replays to figure out if there was a high <laughs> stick. Then I think Dubois got it. I don't know. I think Mike Yasemak got a piece of it. There's all kinds of stuff. There's a lot to digest on that Dylan Sandberg goal, and it's – I don't want to say ironic, but Paul had uh, Rick Bonus in Coach's Corner, and they talked about Dylan Sandberg, and he said he's got to use his wrist shot more. And what did he score with? The wrist shot. He could have had two last night, uh, yesterday afternoon, sorry. So it's funny how that message sinks in right away 
we want you to shoot more. And Dylan Sandberg was shooting the puck a lot more. How about that nice East West movie made before he let that wrist shot go too, before he scored. What a great story. And he's been fantastic on the penalty kill. He's the team leader in block shots. Like there's like, there, we're, we're going all over the roster here, but looking at all these great stories that's happened this year to just show you how much of a team game this is. Somebody's different has been chipping in on different nights or afternoons if we want to be specific as well. So, I mean, I'm, you're just thrilled for the guy. Uh, the two times we've had him on a walk-off interviews, uh, the one time was after that debacle, the first period in Los Angeles. And then yesterday after uh, yesterday afternoon, after the first period, Dylan Sandberg does not like a bad period. Uh, he's very short and to the point with those walk-off interviews. Uh, I'd like to get him after a good period next time. So, <laughs> so, but I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, you're just happy for the guy. And Adam Lowry said it best. Like when you watch a young player realize his, you know, his childhood dream to score in the national hockey league, there's no better feeling. And uh, I got chills when he said that last night in, in, in the post-game interview on CJOB with us. So it's, uh, it, was, it was a great afternoon, the final two periods anyways. Hey, Jamie, while we've got you here and we're talking about the blue line, um, I've just got to yeah. ask you about Josh Morrissey. I mean, uh, people are calling him Morrissey cool. this year. I mean, he's still leading the yeah. team right yeah. now, 26 points in 23 games. I mean, he's always been an excellent player, but I mean, it seems like he has uh, maybe benefited as much as anyone for the new style of play that the Winnipeg Jets are playing overall. And when Rick Bonus mm-hmm. said, hey, you know what? I want my defensemen to be more involved. I want them to be more engaged. I want them to be more offensive. Uh, Josh Morrissey took that as a big, fat green light. And man, has he made the most of it. What have you seen so far from 44? Well, I just, it's amazing to watch when opportunity presents itself. And, you know, you, you're comfortable knowing that when you jump in the play that you're, the forwards have your back. And the fact they've been working on it all year long in practice, having drills, forwards got to, you know, back up the, the defenseman, um, you know, full credit to Josh Morrissey. He's always had that speed. He's always had that offensive side to his game, but there's been other people in front of him on the depth chart over the years. And we'll start with Dustin Bufflin, um, where he's had to stay behind, but now you can tell he has confidence. Like he's not afraid to shoot the puck. He's not afraid to move up in the play and join the rush. And uh, it's, it's been fantastic to watch and he has to be given some credit on, on top of that as well. And I know he said he worked on his skating. We've always known that he's been a great skater, but you see it now more than ever, especially on those two breakaway goals and the, the game winners in overtime. Um, what a, what a, he has deserved this because he's just been, you know, he's been around for such a long time. He's patiently waiting for his opportunities. And here we are. So Josh Morrissey in that conversation he had with Rick bonus in the offseason. bonus wanted to see him in the conversation for the Norris trophy at the year's end. Well, he's pretty, he's got a great start here so far and couldn't be happier for anybody, but Josh Morrissey. Uh, Jamie quickly, let's look ahead to tomorrow. A uh, very familiar face yeah. coming back. Paul Maurice. I'm sure he'll, you know, be uh, very much motivated to hope to get a great game out of his team. I mean, how do you think Maurice's return resonates within a Winnipeg Jet dressing room where uh, the vast majority of those players played plenty of games under uh, under his watch? I think, you know, it's going to be emotional, right? It's going to be emotional for a lot of people. It was emotional when he departed last year. It was a shock to everybody. Now there's been plenty of time and you know, everybody's moved on. He's, he's got a new team. There's a new coach here. Um, new coaching staff, Jamie Compon's also coming back tomorrow as, as well. Um, you know, it's, I think it's important to the Florida Panthers to get a win. They have had a tough road trip, but it's also important for that dressing room. And I'm talking about the Jets dressing room to 
to get a win uh, to close out this homestand. But I, I'm very curious to see how the fans will react tomorrow. Um, and I'm also curious to see how the Jets come out in that first period. But my guess is they'll come out blazing. But it's I'm very curious to see how the, uh, the Paul Maurice speaks with the media tomorrow, what he's going to say. It'll be something very poignant, obviously. Um, and then we'll see how the Jets react to that. But, uh, you know, these are the games. I could see why you circled this one and you you want to make sure you have the tickets for this one. And I don't blame you. What a year for you sports-wise, buddy. Like, can you stop anytime now? Like, uh, <laughs> uh, I knew the Chiefs were going to lose yesterday because otherwise everything would have just yeah. been too perfect lately. But I'll tell you what. Yeah, you can't have against, all of it. Take the win against the Ducks, and uh, I'm looking forward to tomorrow. And as I said, if there was one yeah. game, never mind on this homestand, the season that uh, I want to see the team win, it's tomorrow. And I have a feeling there'll be, uh, there'll be a lot of mixed emotions, I think, by many Jet fans going into the arena tomorrow. But it should be an interesting one. And you know, Florida for their part after, you know, I think losing like six of seven sort of got it together. Yeah. Five, one wins in Vancouver and in Seattle. So they're going to be coming in, looking to build on that momentum. And uh, certainly the Winnipeg jets are going to look one to look more like the team in the second half of yesterday's game and the team that handled Colorado. So, um, so fully Tuesday as opposed to the one that uh, had a good break. Uh, looking forward to the broadcast tomorrow with uh, Pauly. Say hi to him, and thanks for doing this, JT. It's always great having you on the show. Sure. Tell Jeff Hamilton he's got a great beard, too. Talk to you later, man. <laughs> you got it. There it is. Jamie Thomas with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. We're going to continue the Jets conversation with Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press in just a minute. Still interested in your thoughts? Again, if you just popped in a little later on, and working off of... We'll ask this to Jeff in a minute as well. Off Rick Bonus's comments about, you know, needing to play with that emotion and passion. And, you know, it got me thinking, and it's a very interesting conversation. I'm sure many people have different ideas about who the emotional leader is of the Winnipeg Jets. Who is that guy that brings the energy, that brings the passion, um, that can maybe be a spark plug to wake a team up out of, well, ugly starts like the team had yesterday. Hit us up in the chat. And, of course, if you're watching after the fact, definitely hit us up, uh, put a comment, uh, or put a, you know, uh, give us your thoughts in the comments uh, for us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Uh, the Why Not Question of the Day brought to you by our friends at Not Auto Corp. Of course, winter is here, and uh, is your car ready for it? Uh, it might not be. And if you're thinking about getting a new one or upgrading from your current vehicle, don't go anywhere before you stop in at Not Auto Corp at Waverly and McGillivray. An incredible selection of vehicles on the lot right now, including many electric vehicles. If you're interested in a potential move to an electric vehicle, they'll fill you in on everything that is involved with that. Uh, but listen, if there's a make and model that you've got your heart set on, let the not experts know. They'll source it, find it, and get it here to Winnipeg and get you in it at the lowest possible price. Not Auto Corp. Why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the not team? And hey, if you need winter tires, they do have that MPI payment plan and winter tire specials as well. So why not get safe winter tires now and pay later over at Not Auto Corp, Waverly and McGillivray, and online at not.ca. Um, hey, December's here. You know what's coming up in just a few weeks? Of course, it is Christmas. If you have holiday shopping that involves a sports fan, one stop is all you need down at Royal Sports to get it all taken care of. Uh, thousands of pieces of Jets merchandise, including the new retro reverse jerseys, which I think will be a hot seller this Christmas season. Tons of Winnipeg Blue Bomber gear not to mention the best and latest merchandise from all the major sports leagues, including the NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, and, of course, teams from around the NHL, World Soccer as well, 
World Cup kits from uh, most of the teams that are still remaining in the tournament, as well as uh, European football as well. It's all there at Royal Sports, and of course, they are the hockey superstore as well. Pop down and see them, 750 Pemina Highway, and check them out on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. And hey, with Christmas just around the corner and a new year coming, it might be time to think about upgrading that wardrobe. And folks, we've told you F Apparel is the go-to spot for Winnipeg men when it comes to custom suits, pants, shirts, and more. They really do have it all. Custom suits beginning at just $400. And uh, guys, if you're thinking about maybe you know Christmas coming up, you don't want someone buying the clothes for you. Why don't you suggest an F Apparel gift card and a great deal right now if you buy them in-store or online, a 15% bonus. So a $100 payment gets you a $115 gift card right now at F Apparel. Pop down and see them, 190 Smith Street downtown. And don't forget to talk to them about their great specials for wedding parties and grads coming up in 2023. F Apparel, online, ephapparel.com, and again, downtown at 190 Smith Street. All right, let's get to it. Welcoming back our guy, Jeff Hamilton, to uh, hit Jets, Bombers, CFL offseason, and much more. Hammer, what's up? How was your weekend? Weekend was good, Huss. I uh, had it off Saturday, Sunday. Both were filled with watching sports, particularly yesterday. I don't know about you, but, man, those NFL games, probably the toughest weekend to predict. Um, but certainly some some good games. Uh, getting ready for uh, what should be an exciting week this week with uh, trips to trips to St. Louis and Chicago on deck, and uh, yeah, some some work ahead of that. It was, I mean, an all time. Um, I mean, if you rank the sports watching days of the year, um, you know, if you're a Winnipeg fan and weren't at the game, I mean, you did have the Jets Ducks, which got better as they went along, and we'll talk about that mm-hmm. in a minute. Um, you've got the World Cup happening. And then, yeah, one of the best NFL slates of the entire season. Um, everything went great with the exception of the result in the Kansas City game. How'd that one sure, go again? I'm not sure if Winnipeg Walter is in here, but uh, I guess I got to give Walter a shout out. He's always in here about the Bengals. And hey, the Bengals have beat the Chiefs three straight. That's a bit of a kryptonite right now for Patrick Mahomes. Overall, though, pretty fun, fun night. And I guess interesting Monday nighter tonight. But let's start off with the Winnipeg Jets, Jeff. You know, you have that game. A Tuesday night against Colorado, five nothing shutout of the Stanley Cup champs. I mean, we all know where the Jets are in the standings right now. And then a, a couple days off, Patrick Line coming back and a performance that I think maybe looked a little worse on the scoreboard at the end. Um, certainly, Corpusalo was great. But man, they just were lacking so many of the details of their defensive game that had been a hallmark of the success so far this season. And they found out very quickly that if they take a night off doing that, they're probably not going to win. What did you think of the start to the weekend for the Jets? Yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, I'm also with Rick Bonus post game. I mean, he wasn't happy, but look, you're not going to get an A plus game or an A plus performance 82 games out of a season. Um, you know, anyone that wagers on hockey or, or or watches hockey on a nightly basis, there's quote-unquote upsets every single night. So it's not like this is some, some you know, wildly crazy result. I think it's just, as you mentioned, it was an unfortunate result when you look at what they had done days earlier against the reigning Stanley Cup champions and, you know, couldn't get up for a game, you know, a, a weekend game in, against a, a lowly Columbus team who, who came into Winnipeg 
you know, scraping and clawing for points, the worst team in the Eastern Conference. So certainly disappointing. You know, I I don't know if I, you know, I think you look at the the shots, the number of shots that the Jets put up, you know, almost around 40, I think. And I don't know if that really told the story either. I, I don't think the Jets were, were, were very good. I don't think anybody was good for that matter. There were certainly some opportunities. There were certainly some moments in the game against Columbus that I felt like if it if the Jets would have got a bounce, it might have been the trigger they needed to, to get things going and possibly mount a comeback. Even when it, they were down 3 nothing, I'm kind of contradicting myself a little bit, but I still think you saw, I still think you felt like the Jets could come back in this one. And then when they score that fourth goal, it was just such a dagger. Um, so, you know, I think overall, obviously a disappointing result. I thought the power play, you know, going 0 for 5 played a massive role in that. I know you did Rick Bonus's post-game comments. I think one of the things you didn't touch on was his comments about sending a message to his top-end players by ultimately sitting them on the fourth power play, uh, putting them out for 30, 30 seconds, that first unit, rolling with the second unit for 45, and then ultimately throwing his hands in the air by putting the fourth line on for the last 45 seconds of that power play in a, you know, a critical game. Anyways, um, you know, obviously wasn't the result they had. And then certainly you've talked about it already, just a slow start to the Anaheim game, um, ultimately resulting in a strong finish and a 5-2 victory. So I think, you know, you're obviously disappointed with the start. You can't be happy probably with either game at least the way you played but you can be happy with the result on Sunday to make up for a, a bad one on Friday well and, and and you know speaking of bonuses comments after yesterday's game um you know he had I mean he was exasperated borderline disgusted with the way that his team started the game and he was very clear in his many words telling everybody about that and um listen I think this was something that the team heard on the bench with about as an animated bones as we've seen all year long banging the glass and trying to get the guys to wake the f up if you will um all that being said it was sort of the depth players um the third line the fourth line that sort of led the way in getting the team back in here and and uh, the one thing that's come back to me and we've sort of been kicking it around the why not question of the day is bonus has mentioned a few times this year when things haven't gone well two key words emotion and passion i remember him saying it seemed like it was lacking from the bench when he first got back after that time missed at the beginning of the season during covid and he cited it again yesterday and i do wonder i mean i guess it's a combination question are they searching for that within their group how do you manufacture that sort of thing because that really is something that sort of does come naturally um and then i guess looking around the room and talking about who are the real emotional leaders. We know the guys that have the best chance of scoring on a breakaway. You know the guys that you want on your number one blue line. But when it comes to that energy, that emotion, that good teams have most nights, um, there's a, a number of different thoughts as to who that guy is or whether the Jets really have that right now. Yeah, so if you're asking me who I think it is, I think there's a couple names you can look at, but I think you need to look at it as in, what creates that you know emotional spark or, or what what helps create that passion amongst the bench and more often than not it's physical play uh whether that's fighting whether that's delivering checks so the first person i look to as far as that emotional leader if you will is adam lowry he's the one guy that you know whether and i go all the way back i keep i keep reciting this time because i was there live and it was just so poignant to me um, was when that was was a couple a few years back in buffalo when patrick line got pancaked at center ice and the only one that seemed to give a care was was 17 as he ran around charging people, trying to change the momentum of the game in a, in a game that, if you recall, the, the Jets ultimately lost 
it slipped away from them. So not only did their superstar, you know, get absolutely clobbered at center ice, um, you had, you know, Adam Lowry, Adam Lowry going around delivering hits. Now, Mark Shifley did step up, I believe, and I don't know if he did fight after that or wanted to or whatever. So, you know, credit to him. But certainly Adam Lowry is the guy that goes out and, and gets the gets the guys going as far as that physical play. Brendan Dillon's another guy, if you want to add the physical element to it. I mean, when he drops the gloves, he's telling his teammates, you know, as a guy who, you know, I got he was described the other day as I forget what podcast I was listening to, maybe 32 Thoughts, maybe a different one, but or maybe whatever it was. But they described him a little bit as a light heavyweight. And that's because Brendan Dillon isn't, you know, the the Ryan Reeves of the league. He's not, you know, he's not he's not a he's a bigger guy, but he's not a heavyweight fighter. And so when he when he steps up to the plate, uh, and, you know, goes another guy that I think brings the emotional charge to. I know people who don't like ho- fighting in hockey aren't going to necessarily agree with that take, but, you know, it doesn't mean it's not any less true. Now, there's other guys in that locker room who do it with their work ethic. You know, Blake Wheeler has been a guy that I think a lot of people could point to and say, even if the results aren't there, he's given it every shift. Um, there's a handful of those guys on the team. So I think that would probably be your, you know, your emotional leaders. You, you throw out words like, you know, like passion and, and, and whatnot with, with Rick bonus, I'll throw another word out, uh, which he's not really saying, but he's certainly providing a lot of it. And that's perspective. You know, I think he looks at a team that, that maybe gets a little bit too too happy with themselves when, when they get a little bit, bit of success, right? They maybe don't know how to handle success because they haven't had a lot of it. And certainly the teams he's coached in the past, I'll point to that one year with Dallas when he took them to the, the Stanley Cup final. You know, I think he understands, and, and not just that year, but all his years of coaching, he understands that, you you know, you can't get too high. You can't get can't feel too good about yourself when things are going. And at the same time, you can't feel too bad about yourselves when things aren't going your way. So I think you saw a lot of that in the post-game press conference with Rick Bonus, that despite his team eventually turned it around 5-2, kind of reminded them, you know, in no uncertain words, that you got to be giving as best effort as you possibly can night in and night out, and that if you hope to make the playoffs uh, by the end of the regular season, you can't take nights off. Now, again, I'll go back to my original point. You can't have 82 games of A-plus hockey. No team's ever done it. No team ever will. Um, but you want to get the message in there so guys don't start feeling, you know, good about themselves, too good about themselves, um, you know, when things are rolling, as is the case with the Winnipeg Jets. And, I, you know, I go back to that perspective comment because I think there were times, you know, different points over the years, particularly under Paul Maurice, whether or not, you know, Maurice enabled this behavior or not. I think there were a lot of a lot of a lot of instances where we heard some guys almost just kind of feeling sorry for themselves when things weren't going well or almost were too good about, you know, feeling too good about themselves when they would go on a stretch of wins, which weren't all that many. I mean, look at this team. This team doesn't exactly go on winning streaks. So I think this is, you know, bringing in that perspective, understanding that and it's not just through his words. I mean, you look at you look at the the two bottom forward lines and why they're the ones setting the tempo. They understand, which I think is different than previous years, that if they continue to play a, a consistent game, if they maintain their play and what they're being asked to do, they're not going to get stapled to the bench like previous years. They're going to get more ice time. And so I think you look at, you know, perspective. I think you look at the bottom six forwards trying to claw their way into the, you know, into this league, be everyday players, uh, establish roles for themselves. And I'm not suggesting everyone in the bottom six hasn't established a role. Adam Lowry, you know, obviously is centering that third line. He's not going anywhere anytime soon. But I do think you have, you know, a bit of a message being sent from Rick Bonus, who's not afraid at 68, 69 years old, uh, you know, to hurt, have any hurt feelings. He's, He's uh, he's willing to deliver kind of those those you know those words um, you know of warning if you will to his top six, but also at the same time 
praise them when they do well. And I think that's why you're looking at this relationship with Rick Bonus and whether you want to call it the bonus effect or whatever words you want to use. I think that's why he's getting the most out of these guys is because he's not letting letting them off the hook, regardless of wins or losses. Yeah. You know, I mean, you bring up a couple of great points. And as far as that emotional spark plug or emotional leader, if you'd asked me this last year, I would have probably quickly said Pierre-Luc Dubois. And Dubois at times last season, and listen, Lowry for sure as well, but I think Lowry, you know, struggled and, you know, again, didn't have a great first half of the season. Part of that, I think, was, you know, who he was playing with each and every night. But Dubois was the one guy. So many nights I'd say on this show, like, where is the given F factor? He was the one guy that seemingly had it on most nights. Um, and obviously he's a huge pain in the ass to play against. I mean, sometimes he'll do things that will get either the other team going and his team going, and, you know, it sort of creates, it manufactures a lot of that emotion. But one thing I'll say about Dubois is that, you know, as good as he's been, and what does he have? He's nearing a point a game so far this season. Uh, yeah, he's got 22 points in 23 games. There has been some nights. Uh, he hasn't quite established that consistency, in my opinion, of you know, of those star players in the National Hockey League. He'll have a couple of really good ones, and then, you know, he sometimes might be off. But he certainly does bring a number of those qualities that those types of players have Have it. But you're right. I mean, a lot of ways it comes down, and I'll even throw one other guy out there because I think, really, if you asked everybody in the club who that guy is, it's Connor Hellebuck. And Hellebuck is another one of the guys. I mean, you know what you're getting from him every night. He does have that passion. He does have that emotion. And yet it's difficult to really show from the net with a mask on. But those are a couple players that I think, you know, certainly have a big role in that sort. But on good teams, you're not looking at one guy to pull everybody up. And I think that's why what's developed in the bottom six, and it was a perfect example last night, that has been such a positive for this club because, again, I mean, much like you're not going to get the grade A performance in 82 games, um, you know, you can't be relying on a group of four or five players at the top of your lineup to basically be doing everything for you each and every night. And more often than not this year, the bottom six has stepped up either situationally or overall like they did yesterday and maybe help pull a team out that wasn't getting the best from their top guys and still managing to create a winning situation at the end of 60. Yeah, Pierre-Luc Dubois is a guy that I certainly missed when you asked about those emotional leaders. I still, yeah, I agree with you. I still think, like most people, his age in his early 20s is still working on that consistent game night in and night out. Um, but he's certainly, he's certainly uh, well along, along that way. I mean, this is a guy who I think plays the game. You want to talk about passion. I don't know if there's a more passionate player on the Winnipeg Jets, and I think that can be both his you know, both a benefit and a negative to him. I think if things aren't going well for him, maybe he thinks about it too much. And if things are going good for him, you know, he rides that wave and, and usually puts in a more than more often than not a solid effort. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as the bottom six goes, they've been, I mean, let's, let's, you know, I'll remind you and, you know, everybody that this is the line that was kind of being talked about during the the, the early stages of the season where the Jets were, the Jets were managing to get victories as they have all year, but, the coach didn't like the the overall play of the team. And, you know, I think a lot of fans were upset with media about, you know, kind of being critical about a team that was leading the division, um, despite playing not, not all that great hockey. But during that time, it was the, it was the third and fourth forward line. That was kind of the heart and soul of this team, setting the example, playing the way 
Um, as we've heard Rick Bonus say, he wants all his forward forward lines to play when they don't have the puck. Now there's different allowances for different lines when they do get the biscuit in their in their possession, but when it, when they don't, when you when you look at that defensive style of hockey, the the system in which I think we all expected Rick Bonus to bring in with his hiring, the most consistent lines at it have been the bottom six. The reality, though, is that you don't rely on your bottom six to win games. You rely on your top six, the guys that get paid the most amount of money, um, to to lead you to victories, to score goals, the most important currency in this league. And so that's what I think I think is most refreshing about Rick Bonus is that he's not. It's not like he's being. You know, it's not like he's being a jerk in, in what he's saying because he's saying all of those things to the players before he comes out and says it to says it to the media. I mean, you look at the you look at the post game press conferences, and it's very much like the bombers in that they're just echoing what the head coach is saying. I mean, you heard Morgan Barrett talk, and then you heard Rick Bonus talk immediately afterwards, and they were pretty much saying the exact same thing. Or, you know, you could tell that the message had been delivered, or at least Morgan Barron was listening to it. Um, you know, and so I think that's a that's an important aspect of a team. I mean, you know, I think it's fitting with Paul Maurice coming here, you know, and the Florida Panthers coming here tomorrow night that more, you know, how many times did we hear with Paul Maurice post game where you looked at a game with the, the Jets effort and it was, and this was in, you know, losses, bad losses where, you know, you'd ask him about the first, you know, obvious question post game is what do you think of that one? And he's talking about how he, he likes their game and that, you know, and, and I liked our game. Just, I liked our game. That was, you know, that I'm surprised there's not t-shirts being made about that at this point, but like, you know, that was just a common statement after what was an obvious bad 60 minutes of hockey by the Jets. And then you look at, and then you compare it to Rick Bonus, and you look at a 5 2 win against, yes, a bottom dweller in the Anaheim Ducks, but he's given it to his top six guys. And, and same story after that bad loss against Columbus. He's calling a spade a spade because we're not living in a dream world here. We're not, you know, and, and, and you can do that. You can project the, you know, the possibility of hurting feelings when you're open and honest with players, when you sit down with them at their stall, uh, as we've heard several times from several players over this year, where, you know, the whole idea that that Rick Bonus has given them the locker room, that's 100% true. But the definition of that isn't I'm staying out of the locker room. In fact, it's almost the opposite. Rick Bonus is in there, you know, during practice. He's in there pregame. He's sitting with guys, asking them how they're doing, making sure that they're you know that that they're feeling good about their game that they're they're being heard it's the art of coaching if you would listen to Rick Bonus this past week after practice i forget what day it is i'm i'm never really a monday to monday to friday guy so i, I never know what day it is but it was a few a few uh before the columbus game he talked about the art of coaching and that you know the x's and o's is almost the easiest part the it's the conversations it's the communication it's it's how to how to deal with players day in and day out so that you're getting the most out of them and that's why I think Rick Bonus threw you know some of the accountability back on his own shoulders when you know with the with the bad start against Anaheim so I think when you when you add all those things together you're you're empowering players um you know up and down the lineup and when you empower players you can be critical you can be specific with them because they're not hearing it for the first time you know in talking to reporters they're hearing it to their faces before before he comes out and shares it publicly uh by the way great turnout great to see everyone with us live on youtube if you haven't already make sure you hit that red subscribe button and uh, hit the thumbs up if you would folks hopefully we can uh, yeah get over 200 to help us spread the channel right here on wst and by the way WST YouTube subscriptions, a great Christmas gift that will cost you absolutely nothing. Just show someone 
how to get it on their phone, press subscribe and tell them to join us every Monday to Friday, 1 p.m. live here on YouTube. Um, so you mentioned Maurice. Tomorrow, it's the return of Pomo and the Florida Panthers. Um, what? How do you think this return resonates within that Jets locker room? I'm fascinated and I'd love to pump true serum into some of the guys and really understand how they think about what happened last year. Um, and of course, the way that they're playing now, looking like a brand new team under a new head coach that seemingly is going about things in a very different way with some different systems and some different results. Oh, I think that they're ready to, I think they're going to be absolutely impassioned about tomorrow's game. I think that they believe that this guy quit on them because he did. I mean, that's, the, this is, I, you know, if you want to inject truth here, I think the only thing we know truthfully in all of this, now we, we get subtle hints from players' interviews all season long about the new guy coming in and how, how great of a communicator he is. They've never seen this kind of work with a coach and all this stuff. So we, we can read between the lines on a few things. But the one thing that's been clear as day is that they had absolutely no idea that Paul Maurice was ready to go, that he was that he was going to be, you know, leaving the team, that he felt this club needed a, you know, a new voice, whether that's, you know, obviously that's true. Um, but in that moment, I think a lot of guys were hurt by it. And so I think they certainly don't want to lose to this guy. So the idea that they want to deliver him his lunch, I think is, is a safe, is a safe suggestion. It might be a little hyperbolic, but I, I don't even think so. I think this team is hurt by their coach leaving. I think he left them in a tough situation. There were incredibly high expectations um, for the jets last year. And when you, when a coach leaves the way that, that, that Paul Maurice leaves and, and kind of, leaves you to fend for yourselves and fight and scrape for a playoff spot because they, you know, they weren't in a playoff spot at the time. Um, I think left some pretty hard feelings on some players. Now I think that certainly varies. You want to talk about a bottom six. If anybody wants to get even with Paul Maurice, it's the bottom six guy. And I shouldn't say bottom six. I should say fourth line because a lot of those guys on that line didn't even get a sniff with, you know, with, with Paul Maurice at the helm didn't even, you know, consider it. And I think when you look, I, I, and I would argue that a lot of those, roles or positions up and down the lineup were already decided on before actually evaluating certain players. And I think, so I think there was a lot of unhappy guys who were trying to work their way into the lineup. And when they did, didn't feel all that comfortable. So I think, you know, from a top down effort here is I think there are, is going to be, a, is going to be some hard feelings. And, I, and you, you'd think, or you'd at least hope if you're a Winnipeg Jets fan, that that translates to puck drop and that they take it out on a team that, you know, Florida came in with a whole lot of expectations. And, you know, here we are now 20 something games into the season and they're not exactly delivering. So I think this would be a, you know, a, a great opportunity to get those juices going, get that passion fueled. Um, and I'm certainly expecting a, uh, you know, a, a team tomorrow to be ready and willing to, uh, you know, get things back on track, at least when it comes to that, that style of play the Jets want to play. Well, and speaking of back on track, it seems like the Panthers have got it back on track a little bit in the last couple of games. I mean, starting off this five-game road trip with the losses in Edmonton, where they gave up the tying goal and five seconds left, didn't touch the puck in OT and ended up giving up, uh, you know, getting into the single and then getting, you know, handled quite well by the Calgary Flames in, um, of course, the Matthew Kachuk return to Calgary game. They have won their last two games 5-1. to one. We know there's a ton of talent on this team, even without Barkov playing right now. Matthew Kachuk's having an amazing start. I think he's got 34 points in the first 22 games. Um, but that did give Mo a little bit of breathing room right now. I'm sure I'm not the only one that is 
spent a moment or two lurking in the dark subcultures of the Florida Panthers Reddit and whatnot because, um, listen, Maurice came in as this super experienced coach that Bill Zito hired to take this team over the top to the next level. It's not easy taking over a team that just won the President's Trophy. With that comes a hell of a lot of pressure. And early on this season, there's been some real ups and downs for this squad so much. But aside from just their particular situation looking to try to get a winning road trip. This is going to be a very different game, I think, at least for Maurice personally and for the Winnipeg Jets that played for, played for him for so long. Yeah, well, I wonder what the approach is going to be for Florida or by the players to honor their head coach. Because here's the thing. Paul Maurice was a lot of things. You know, I think a lot of people liked Paul Maurice. He certainly you know, was a, was a good communicator to the media. He was a good communicator whenever he put, you know, was ever invited to, to host events or get people to talk. The fact of the matter is, is, is Paul Maurice is an ultimate salesman. That's what he is. I mean, he's a, he's a pretty good coach. He's an incredibly good salesman. I mean, I don't know how else you can describe it. Uh, when you, when you can quit on a hockey team that had high expectations midway through a year and then just, casually take over and get hired as the you know as the head coach of the president's trophy like there is you know i i, it's I called recall, falling upwards all a moment it's more than that though it's an art it's a it's a complete art because you know I, this is just this is someone who's capable of reaching people with words and kyle connor was recently i, I checked out the you know the, the spit and chicklets podcast because i saw that he was on there because i'd be curious you know those guys tend to get players to open up in a, you know, a unique way, almost forced to. So I figured that Maurice would be on the docket for that. And, and, you know, Kyle Connor, who's a, who's a pretty reserved player. I don't think he'd be the kind of person that would ever criticize someone openly, or at least in that, in that kind of platform spoke about if there was any positive to Paul Maurice, it was his ability to motivate his ability to, and, and motivate through his pregame speeches. And I'm, I'd be curious what, you know, it'd be, I'd love to be a fly on the wall in that, in that, you know, visitor's dressing room tomorrow night and to find out what, what Paul Maurice might say or, or, you know, or, you know, say to inspire his, his troops to play tomorrow. Maybe not. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm just coming up with something that's just completely, you know, out to lunch. However, I do think that there will be an effort to defend their coach, right? I mean, everyone knows, I and mean, we talked about it, we talked about it. When, when the Jets went into Dallas about how important it was for the players to get, you know, to get bonuses victory about, you know, you, that you don't even need to say anything to understand that in this league. So there will be motivating factors on both sides. Um, I'm more curious, if anything, about the fan reaction uh, tomorrow. I think it's, mm. if you had to guess, I, I think it's going to be, you know, pretty positive, but um, you know, we'll see. But I, I, I definitely think that there's a lot to play for on both sides that go beyond two points, and it's just going to be a matter of who uh, who's inspired more, I think, come puck drop. Yeah, well, uh, listen, I think that I think Maurice will get a very nice welcome back, and as soon as the puck drops, people are going to want his, the Winnipeg Jets to beat the daylights out of uh, his uh, hockey club and maybe send him off the edge at the end. But as much as, yeah, the pregame speech from Maurice in the Florida dressing room would be interesting... I'd pay just as much, if not more, to hear Rick Bonus's speech to his players going into this game for a couple reasons. First of all, building off what we heard after the game with how disappointed he was on their level of readiness to come out and compete at an NHL level in the Anaheim game, coming off a disappointing game against Columbus, but also for this exact reason. 
This isn't just another Tuesday night game in the middle of the regular season on the home docket. This is a guy that, you know, for better or worse, love him or hate him, depending on which player you are, had a major impact in so many of the careers. And I think there's an opportunity for a lot of players to maybe make a big statement to Maurice, um, you know, depending on whether they were one of his favorites or one of the guys that maybe felt that they didn't get a fair shot from the guy when he was the head coach here. Yeah, I think the fuel the fuel is all there, and then for different reasons. And I think everybody, if you didn't, whether you know, as you mentioned, whether you disliked them, whether you liked them a lot, I think you still had feelings that were negative when when he up and left last season. So I think that's enough. That should be enough to get everybody in that dressing room who was in the locker room last year to to play, you know, their grade A game or to bring it every shift. And I, I just, you know, I think when you factor in that. Florida is a good team, regardless that they're, you know, fifth in their division right now, that, that, that they're a talented club, that, you know, they're not going to be an easy, easy victory. Um, you shouldn't have to be, you shouldn't have to get up for every game. You shouldn't have to, you know, just take your words from earlier, manufacture, you know, that, that given us uh, night in and night out, this one should come with plenty of motivation, um, not just from a standings and, and what your coach said from the night before, but certainly all the things you mentioned with Paul Maurice uh, manning the other bench. Um, all right, Hammer, Hammer, if you can, can you hold on for one sec? I, I just got to quickly do a couple reads here, but I want to ask you about Bombers and the CFL offseason, a couple very interesting moves on the weekend. Of course, when we do talk CFL and talk Bombers, we do it for our friends at Princess Auto. Princess Auto, the sponsors of the uh, incredibly popular Bomber tailgate zone before each and every game. Going to be a few months until we get back to IG Field, but as we've seen over the course of the past couple of weeks, unfinished business operation, unfinished business is in full effect already. Adam Big Hill, Willie Jefferson, Patty Newfeld coming back. More work to do for the general manager. Uh, but of course, Princess Otto will be there for the bombers, and they're here for Winnipeg Sports Talk. Great sponsors of ours. And the place where you'll find the best assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Check them out at one of two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road or Portage Avenue West. And of course, you can always shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. I know a trip to Princess Auto on the list, uh, the uh, wish list of many WST listeners as we get into the holiday season. Uh, of course, our friends at Culligan Water are the water experts, and they've been doing it as a family-owned business for over 65 years here in Winnipeg and in southern Manitoba. They've got it all. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, drinking water systems, not to mention commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Whatever your water needs are, the Culligan folks have you covered. Pop down and see them at 1200 Sargent Avenue. You can give them a call at 694-5180 or check out all their water products and solutions and what they can do for you and your family online at drinkculligan.com. Well, hey, the uh, the winter is here. The holidays are here, and you're going to be doing some entertaining and have some people over. You better make sure you got the good stuff in the cabinet. And, of course, that. I'm referring to as Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey, Canadian Club. Uh, pop by your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. We've got great specials all month long on Canadian Club. And don't forget the Jim Beam as well. And you Bomber fans are going to want to keep your eyes open at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts because the Bomber Collector glasses are out right now. Zach Caleros, Adam Big Hill, Nick Dembski, 
all available right now, and you'll get a free Jim Beam Blue Bomber glass with one of those three players when you buy a bottle of Jim Beam right now at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. Big thanks to Canadian Club Jim Beam, the Beam Suntory family, for the great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. And, uh, hey, uh, we've got a, quite the game on right now. Brazil, Korea. Brazil is smashing the Koreans 4 nothing at the half. They're just into the second half. Uh, but Boston Pizza is the place to go for the World Cup right now. Coming up on Saturday, 1 p.m., France and England. Um, great World Cup specials. Game on with the big sound. Nowhere better to watch it than Boston Pizza. And while you're there, you can check out a couple of the great new faves, including the jalapeno popper dip, spicy buffalo mac and cheese, the creamy carbonara pizza. And don't forget Monday Night Football tonight, also at Boston Pizza, Buccaneers and Saints. Pop by your local BP. And if you can't make it out, you can order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, Hammer. Uh, as far as the Bombers go, I, I think we sort of expected this. Um, you know, the season would end. Kyle Walters would get to work. Um, so far, so good. Patty Newfeld, Willie Jefferson, Adam Big Hill back. Um, we've heard reports that Mike O'Shea is done. Um, what's the latest on the Bombers player signings as well as the most important re-signing? And that, of course, the guy on the sidelines. Yeah, to start with the players, um, you know, I think we're going to see probably a few more signings before the new year um, or shortly thereafter. I mean, you're looking at, um, look, for those who don't know, like if you have any money left over from the salary cap of 2022 this year, of course, you can use it to sign players for, for 2023. So that may be all used up with all the names we've seen, obviously some big names coming off the board. Now all that money isn't going to be spent, you know, through... Uh, you know, through 2022's budget, but a lot of the signing bonuses, if, you know, I'm sure there's a handful of signing bonuses in there. You have the Adam Big Hills, Willie Jefferson, Newfeld. Um, yeah, a lot of great signings so far. You know, I think probably if I had to guess the next two, they're probably probably going to ink the tackles in Stanley Bryan and Jamarcus Hardrick next. Uh, those ones seem pretty obvious. Um, and some, and I think a lot of the same team's going to come back. I'm hearing a lot of positive, uh, positive stuff from from players and, and people within the organization about next season and and getting work done. I mean, this stuff takes time. Some guys have different ways that they want to deal with it. Some guys want to get it signed right away. Some guys want to take a deep breath and wait a couple weeks and and then get into negotiations. There's people who represent themselves. There's people who have agents. Uh, there's a lot of different factors that come into play. But I have I have uh, absolutely no doubt that the Bombers are going to be able to bring back. Um, a majority of, of their core leadership group next season. Um, you know, it's interesting with Mike O'Shea, obviously that's the, the you know, I would argue the biggest sign even before some of the names that have, have already put pen to paper. Um, you know, I, I reported last week that, you know, these are one of those things where you hear those reports and, and I don't think anybody is surprised by them. I mean, you know, I've, it's really one of those things you talk about kind of taking some time off the great cup ended and then all the other work afterwards. And you kind of just put your head to the pillow for a little bit and just whatever. So when you see the, you see the, you see the reports come out that Mike's agreed to a, you know, a deal. Okay. Uh, it's three years. Okay. That all makes sense. I mean, he's only signed three-year deals since, since arriving here, um, 2014. So, you know, again, that, that all made, that all makes sense. Um, what didn't make sense to me was, how quick it would have been afterwards. I mean, this is a guy, you know, I, you know, Mike tell Mike for the most part tells the truth. 
um, or tries to get to the truth as as close as he can um, without kind of tipping his hat or, or or whatever on certain you know certain issues he finds important. And I just thought that you know all the things he had said, I, I don't think that him and Wade would have sat down. I think Wade would have made efforts to call him and probably get the ball rolling before they you know, in this case would have went for a third straight gray cup. And I, I don't think that would have changed the, you know, the payment structure necessarily, but uh, it certainly only would have helped with another gray cup. Um, so I, I have no doubt in my mind that there would have been attempts from, from, you know, Miller to, to try to get something done and get that, that very important piece of business tucked to bed, whether that was signing a contract and putting it in the, in the drawers for, for a release after the season or, or whatnot. But I, I also don't think that Mike O'Shea just given how much, you got to understand, Mike Boucher is all about the small details. I mean, it drives some people in that building absolutely nuts about how, you know, anal he can be about certain things, but that's what makes him such a great coach. And I, I say that that last sentence lightly. Nobody has anything but respect for what Mike Boucher has done here, but he's just, he's an, a very, very attention to detail kind of guy. And so when, when he shows up for his, you know, negotiations with the, you know, to, for, for, for a new contract, you know he's going to have every base cover. He's going to have things that might seem small to you and I that are incredibly important to him, and he's going to want to execute, um, you know, in those negotiations. So I just it didn't make any sense to me that he'd have a deal up and running at this moment. So it all kind of is playing out the way I kind of thought it would play out. Whether that's this week, whether it's next week, I don't think it's going to be after Christmas or into the new year. But I think it's going to take time for them to hammer things out, for them to look at what the future looks like. You know, I mentioned this on your show before the most interesting part of his, his uh, postseason press conference to me, or, or even sorry, in the great cup week, when he was asked about it, the coach's appearance about what, you know, what mattered for, for him in a contract, it wasn't about what he had done. It wasn't about what he achieved in the years before. It's how he envisioned his time in Winnipeg in the years that, 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 that were to come on the contract and whether, you know, what, what kind of added responsibility it would be, what kind of money it would take for him, you know, for him to want to, to continue the added responsibility. And so all this stuff is a long winded way of saying, I'm, 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 in, I'm as confident as anyone who's come out with reports that he's going to sign a deal. I just don't, I'm just not surprised that it ha- we haven't reached that point yet, but I see it something happening in the near future, if not this week in the coming weeks, um, you know, I think both sides would want to tuck it to bed before Christmas and have those good feelings heading into what will be an important 2023 season. Yeah, I saw Dalton Schoen uh, kicking down at the uh, Big 12 championship game and seeing his uh, K-State uh, team, his uh, former team, upsetting TCU, who's still on their way to the college football playoff. Got me thinking about his future, and we've been talking about it. I mean, he had just a phenomenal rookie season. One would think that there would be NFL opportunities. I mean, now what are the chances in your mind right now, early December, Jeff, that Dalton Schoen is back with the Bombers in the Canadian Football League next year? Yeah, I mean, not horrible. You know, I you know, I don't think this, you know, I think I don't think he's a slam dunk uh, you know, NFL guy for next season. I certainly think he should be strongly considered by NFL teams for for what he achieved last year in the Canadian Football League and I am a bit surprised that we haven't heard about any workouts uh you know regarding his services but here's the thing there's plenty of time I mean you don't have to I think when you look at what Nathan Rourke was able to do and the numbers he was able to put up there's no surprise especially when you look around the NFL and some teams in need of quarterbacks now I don't think Nathan Rourke's running in there as a number one but if you can continue his momentum and he can build you know, I think he's a you know a plausible number two guy with an opportunity to see some action. So it made sense for for teams to kind of get you know jump on him and and see what they could you know see what 
first of all, see how healthy he is right now. I think that's part of the workout thing. You want to figure out where this guy's, you know, what, what's this guy's foot, you know, how his foot's doing and, and how his, how his, uh, you know, his rehab's progressing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is a bit surprising. Dalton Schoen hasn't seen, you know, hasn't got one invite or at least not, not that I know of just yet, but at the same time, there's plenty of time between now um, and the next CFL season to garner interest, to get his agent working for him, to show off his tape, you know, to certainly, you know, um, to certain, certainly let teams know about his numbers if they don't already know. But as far as him possibly being back in blue and gold next year, absolutely a chance. And I, you know, I, I certainly think that, you know, even with the reports we've heard, usually there is more interest at this time, but there's also a lot of interest into the new year when teams, you know, when teams start getting a better look at, at, at uh, you know, ex- expanding their rosters when certain seasons, you know, and certainly when the NFL season's over. So um, I don't think I would look at a lack of, a lack of NFL workouts as a, you know, a, a guarantee that he'll be back in the CFL next season. But I do think, um, I do think at this point, um, it's a bit of up in the air. I don't want to give percentages because I, you know, I obviously have no idea, but um, I do think it's a positive sign, if you want to use that word, that he hasn't had NFL workouts, but uh, anything can change with one phone call at this point. That being said, uh, Nathan, uh, Nathan Rohr coming out of BC had, uh, I mean, I heard upwards of 20 teams that were interested in him. Um, how do you think this plays out? I mean, does he go through all of these or the first time where he gets a legitimate opportunity with the team that offers to sign him that, you know, gives him what he's looking for. Does he jump on it? Yeah, that that's something that like, you know, I, first of all, the numbers, I mean, I'm not saying they're not true, but you know, people toss things out like yeah. two thirds of the league is like, okay, did two thirds of the league, you know, book them for a, a workout or two, two thirds of the league, make a call or watch them on TV once. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know, unless you went to every, every team in the NFL and said, Hey, are you looking at Nathan Rourke? Um, you know, you don't really have those answers, but there's obviously a lot of interest. I mean, look at the numbers he put up, look at the age he has, look at the accuracy he has. I mean, all the, he has all of those tangibles, um, that you want out of a good quarterback as for, you know, as for what Nathan Rourke wants in the NFL and what he'll get, uh, or, or rather your question, what he'll take. I mean, if you're taking him by his word, um, he wants real opportunity. He doesn't want to go to a, you know, and especially in, in, in the way his career has been going right now. In the unfortunate injury, he did manage to come back and play okay, but I think you want to ride that momentum. So if you're not getting an opportunity where you're not being viewed on as a real option to take over in-game, I think you got to consider getting more game tape in the, at the CFL level. And I know, you know, he's very close with a lot of his teammates in BC. There was a great support system for him. I mean, you, you, don't, you don't get that kind of success um, without it. So I certainly think that's a, you know, I don't think he's looking at, at the lions as, you know, worst case. Well, I guess maybe he's looking at his worst case scenario, but worst case scenario in this situation isn't all that bad, but uh, we'll see what happens with him. We'll see, you know, we'll see what is offered to him and ultimately we'll see what he chooses. But again, if we're taking him by his word, I mean, he did say that he wanted something that wasn't, you know, just a practice roster spot. And, 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 you know, he wanted real opportunity. He wanted something, you know, how much he's going to get promised, who knows. But if, if, if anything is true about, you know, the two thirds or whatever, three quarters of the league being interested, you'd have to think that he'd find maybe at least one or two suitors that would be giving, you know, be willing to give him, you know, what he wants. And in this case, again, is, a, is an opportunity to actually play. Uh, one more CFL topic, and uh, uh, this is, I mean, to me, this made my weekend when I saw the news. Bobby Dice hired as the new head coach of the Ottawa Red Blacks. Um, I'm sure you feel the same. Anyone that's known Bob over the course of his career knows what just a great man he is. I mean, he is, 
He is a football guy, uh, but he's a real leader of men. And, you know, I think that, you know, even Palapo, who obviously was disappointed, I'm sure, with the way things went to leave, it's got to be feeling good for Bobby Dice. But how about the work that he's done over the course of the weekend? He's the new head coach. He signs Kahari Jones to be his offensive coordinator. Baron Simpson is now the defensive coordinator. Meanwhile, in Saskatchewan, they can't even get anyone to answer their phone calls right now. Jeff, thoughts on the difference between what's happening in Ottawa and the hire of Bobby Dice and his staff as opposed to what isn't happening right now with the Green Riders? Yeah, well, before we we talk glowingly about Bobby Dice, let's just let's just turn to Saskatchewan for a quick second. I can't think of one reason why anybody would want to what would want to join that coaching staff. That's got to be the like you want to talk about lame duck coaching staffs. It doesn't get lamer than Ryderville right now. Craig Dickinson has eight games to figure it out, or he's gone. That's the reality right now because Craig Dickinson proved last season that he's not a capable head coach. You can go as far as to say, I mean, and, and he, now he's got his scapegoats. Here's the thing. What are you offering the OC? You offering them two years? Are you telling me that OC is going to be under contract longer than the head coach? That's going to happen. So what is the offer? Is it one year? Like who wants a one year deal? Why would you leave your spot? Not knowing if you're going to have a, you know, this, the coaching is unstable. I mean, it's a lot, it can be more stable than, than playing and that you can't, you know, you get your full salary by the end of the year, but it's one of the reasons why good players, players that, that would make for great coaches just go, "Ah, I don't think so because it's just so in unstable. It's just an unstable situation. And the rough riders are the epitome of instability. It's just like, it's unbelievable. So I don't, I'm not surprised by anything with that. And And I honestly think, and I don't know this for sure, but I think, I think Saskatchewan, the top brass, is looking at like let's let's take next season, you know, for what it is, and build towards twenty twenty four. Because at this point, you don't even you don't have a quarterback, you don't have an OC, you have a lame duck head coach that proved over and over again that he couldn't get his troops to follow him to lead for him, and that's a great transition to Bobby Dice because Bobby Dice is the opposite. You want you want to know what the most important aspect of being a head coach in the CFL is. It's the Rick bonus art of coaching. If you can't communicate, if you can't motivate, if you can't create a culture within your, within your organization that is, that, that is built on respect, that is built on, you know, uh, being a good teammate, that is built on leadership, which is built on loyalty, all the great things you need out of men, you're, you're never going to win in this league. It's, it's just, and, and Saskatchewan's living proof of it. And Bobby Dice, I don't know Bobby Dice personally. So I know there's, you know, I, I just never covered him. Um, you know, I've got, I, I've crossed paths with him to be sure, like in the CFL, but I just, I'm not going to pretend to know Bobby Dice super well. But I can tell you what, everything you hear from every single person, whether it's on social media, whether it's the calls I've made, is that this guy is the ultimate human being. This guy can motivate men. This guy is someone that you want to play for, is someone you want to coach for. And I think what he's doing is what Mike O'Shea did in Winnipeg. He's surrounding himself with people he trusts and people who are good at their jobs. And if he does anything next year, it's to let these men, whether it's Baron Miles, whether it's uh, Miles Baron, or whether it's um, whether it's what's Kari Jones running the offense. What you need is you need to let them do their job and be that man that everyone respects. And Bobby Dice has that X factor. He has that it to him that he knows how to 
surround himself with good men, let them do their job. And I think that was the tough thing with Lapo. I mean, Lapo, to me, is a good football mind. He knows the game. He's an offensive guru, all those things. I'm not sure he's a leader of men. I'm not sure he's a motivator. I'm, and I'm not, not without trying. I just don't know if he has that. And I don't know if he had that when he coached the Bombers years before. Um, good person, good human. I just don't think he has that it factor. I think he'll make for a great OC when he gets back into coaching, which from what I understand is not going to be this season. Um, but Bobby Dice does have that. And he had that at the end of the season. And I'm so happy for him. I, you know, I, I applaud Sean Burke and, 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 and the Ottawa Red Blacks for going with him, for choosing him, because I think what he brings is that culture, that ability to shift the culture, the ability to come every single day and work, put in, the, put in the effort, put in the work for one common goal. We've seen that in Winnipeg for so many years, and I definitely think Bobby Dice is the, is the kind of person, the kind of human, the kind of coach who can instill that culture in Ottawa and by bringing in, you know, his coordinators, by bringing in a great staff around him and letting them do their job and being that guy to just kind of supervise and, and, you know, continue to hammer in that culture to ham hammer in those daily lessons um, I think is going to work wonders for them. And I, and I think it's going to be a turnaround, whether that's immediate or whether that's in, in, in a year or two, I think there's some good things happening uh, in red uh, over there with the Red Blacks, and it starts with the man at top and Bobby Dice. Hey, you just mentioned that Lapo's not going to be coaching next year. Is he another guy that didn't pick up the phone when the Riders called? Yeah, that's been reported. That's not surprising me. I talked to him at Grey Cup. I mean, look, his, you know, him, you know, Tina and his and his girls, like they all love love Ottawa, you know, you know, and I think that's the disappointing part for, for Lapo is that, you know, he really did connect with the community, really did love the city. I can certainly attest. I spent four years in Ottawa. It's just got a certain energy to it. Um, you know, there's a supportive football fan base, which I think worked against him, obviously, as they struggled to get home wins. But um, I think he's just comfortable doing what he's doing. And um, when it comes, you know, when it makes dollars, it makes sense. And for him, he can double dip. He can get paid as the head coach. Uh, and offensive coordinator in, in Ottawa and also be on the panel for C for, for CFL and TSN. So to me, all those things mean it's just a no-brainer. And, you know, I think, he, you know, he's obviously gotten, um, you know, nice nibbles at, at opportunities here. I'm sure he'll continue to get them. But I also think there's an understanding amongst coaches, amongst staff, that next year could be a significant turnover in, in coaching stats when you look around the CFL and people who are on expiring contracts there's a feeling that next year could be an even greater opportunity and I think that's probably when you're going to see Paul Apolice uh, ultimately uh, resurface and in, in, in accepting some of those opportunities that he's turned down. Hey just last one on the way out I mean uh, what uh, what are you hearing regarding the quarterback carousel in the offseason I mean uh, if you're uh, plucking a nickel down on uh, any particular quarterback going to any particular team right now in early December? Oh, my goodness. Um, well, wouldn't it be funny if Cody Fajardo went back to Saskatchewan? I don't think there's a chance in, in uh, H-E doubles hockey sticks that happens. I just think that would be just a disaster. Um, <laughs> I don't think he I, wants to go. I'll tell you that. He'll be hoping well, to go somewhere else. I'm sure. But, you know, wh where's the opportunity? Despite, you know, Bo Levi Mitchell saying that he wants to test the market, that he wants to play for fans care, which is, you know, I, I believe there's elements of truth to all that. Whether he does hit the open market or not, I cannot see Bo Levi Mitchell in anything else than a tie cat's jersey. So I would be putting my money personally, if I had to, 
on the on Bolivar Mitchell playing in Hamilton next year. It just makes the most sense. We talked about this before. If the Rough Riders are are the second team, I just don't understand why anyone would want to go there. It's an uphill battle in the standings. It's an uphill battle in a city. <laughs> and it's 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 all those things. So there's certainly some positives there, but I just don't know if uh, if that would be uh, would be an ideal situation for a guy who who so clearly wants to be in the media once he once he graduates from this league. And uh, what what better spot than uh, a city that not only has a passionate fan base, that not only has a chance to capture the East and make the Grey Cup, um, but is also a quick drive to the uh, media mecca of Canada. So I, I have Bo Levi Mitchell to the Ticats would be my <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, hey, listen, man, this is uh, great to catch up again. Thanks so much for doing this. And uh, have a great one. I'm looking forward to chatting with you after we see what happens with the Jets and the Panthers and Maurice's return to the peg tomorrow night. Holy time flies when you're having fun. It's a good thing I do it for the viewers and not the host in the show. So uh, we'll uh, we'll do her again next week. And uh, always 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 a pleasure having me on. Have Appreciate a good t- have a good trip there too, Hammer. Thanks so much for doing this. There is Jeff Hamilton. Some great stuff today. Kept Hammer a little long today, but we are having such a great conversation. How could we uh, not do it? Hey, um, you know, back in Winnipeg, went out yesterday uh, later on in the evening. Caught up with some friends, and man, it was nice to be able to get a delicious little brown jug uh, at a local watering hole, unlike the situation we had for a couple weeks in Qatar. Respect to all different cultures, a little different over there. But here, you can get Winnipeg's best local brew at your lo- at obviously your local beer store. You can pop down and catch it at uh, the uh, brewery and tap room. Or uh, grab a 1919 the next time you go out at fine bars and restaurants throughout the city. Uh, of course, Little Brown Jug, great for your holiday party as well. And they will deliver citywide if you're not getting out very much right now. Check them out online at littlebrownjug.ca and check out Winnipeg's favorite local beer. And hey, December's here, but it's a great time for parties, gatherings, and whatnot. And what can possibly take it to the next level? Well, hey, how about an ice cream cake from our friends at the Nick and Nikki DQ Group? Of course, Nick and Nikki have four great locations. DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. And you can also hit them up on Instagram for a DQ ice cream cake for any occasion, custom made just as you need it. And you'll get a quick and easy pickup at any of the four Nick and Nikki DQs. And of course, still the most underrated burger in the fast food game. If you haven't tried one of those stack burgers, stop in today and try one. Tell them the boys at Winnipeg Sports Talk sent you. All right, let's get Remus back in here. We do have to uh, do have to get to a little bit of the NFL action from yesterday before we get to the cool bet lines. And uh, Remo, I will say yesterday's slate was... Uh, one of the best of the year. Uh, I know, by the way, Walt, Winnipeg Walter is in the chat. Shout out to you, Winnipeg Walter, and your guy, Joey Burrow. I, I, I can't not love Burrow, man. He's such a baller and such a great player. But it seems like they're the kryptonite for my Chiefs right now. That was uh, that was a big, very impressive win by the Bengals in uh, one of the best games on a busy, busy night afternoon in the National Football League. Room. Oh yeah, there were that afternoon. There were some um, really strong games there in that second half. Uh, the Seattle game uh, was against the Rams. Uh, Geno Smith, man, he's been pretty good. Uh, the Miami, San Francisco, San Francisco down a QB, uh, winning over Miami, and uh, Chargers Raiders always a good game. And it was Vegas coming up on top. And the Chargers always feel like they should be so much better 
uh, than their record is. And that yeah, was their a- offensive line was basically the practice squad group. I mean, it was their their injuries are terrible. Hey, hold, just go over the the games for one second. I'll be right back. Someone's at the door here. <laughs> That's oh. Delivery, delivery. Okay. Well, I mean, I can save the NFL for us. I do have some hockey notes as well. And we did have a nice 2020 tie. Uh, we had a 2020 tie there uh, with the Giants and uh, Commanders. Uh, that NFC East, the best it's been its years. How about the Sunday Nighter? Big beatdown from Dallas, 54-19. to 19. You don't see too often a team kneeling down at the end in a loss. A rough go there for first-time head coach Jeff Saturday. Uh, how about the Vikings keep rolling? 27-22 win over the New York Jets. Got pretty close there. Uh, with Mike White under center, uh, pretty close. Uh, I'm trying to think what other games. Oh yeah, doesn't keep doesn't get any better for Russell Wilson. That trade looking worse and worse every week. Baltimore winning ten nine. Uh, Lamar Jackson hurt in the game, and I uh, I wonder what it means for them going forward. We'll have to wait and see. But Tyler Huntley came in, and yeah, he's he's been a solid backup for them for a couple times. Uh, how about the Green Bay Packers winning over Chicago? Aaron jo- or not Aaron Jones. Aaron Rodgers owns. The Bears, even when he's having a miserable season, he finds a way uh, for the Bears. Christian Watson, a couple touchdowns there. Uh, I think that's it. And the Detroit Lions uh, putting up a 40 on the Jaguars. And Trevor Lawrence, man, he got tackled in the first, at the end of the first half. His knee bent a really wrong way, but he was able to continue the game. Great day of football. As I do have to get, we'll get to some of these hockey notes uh, too, as well, before we hit the end of the show. Yeah, just a couple other things. And uh, you mentioned, yeah, that Packer win. I mean, big comeback. Justin Fields seems to do something amazing that fires up fantasy players and makes all the highlight reels and takes over your Twitter timeline for 15 minutes every Sunday, and then they lose. Um, But, you know, honestly, for the Bears right now, if you're a Bears fan, you're probably happy about this because they seemingly do have their quarterback. And, man, if they can lose out and finish at the number two pick, the draft capital they can get for trading down could be real significant. Uh, Of course, the Bengals with that huge win, maybe the signature win of the entire week in the NFL. And the Niners, and I'm sure you mentioned Brock Purdy, Remo, um, Mr. Irrelevant himself. I thought they were just joking about that. He was, in fact, Mr. Relevant. He was the last pick in the seventh round of the 2022 NFL draft, and now he is the guy. And there's tons of speculation that Baker Mayfield will end up going to San Francisco. He was waived today by the Panthers. We'll see if anybody else claims him. Uh, whoever does will be on the hook for, I believe, $1.4 million of his salary for this season. Um, and before you write the Niners off, let's not forget that Jimmy Garoppolo only threw the ball eight times last year uh, in the NFC Championship game was six for eight. So, I mean, they've got the defense. They certainly have the running game. They've got the weapons, and they've got Kyle Shanahan. Do not count out the Niners as of yet. Um, listen, we'll talk about the uh, the tonight's game and when we do the cool bet lines in a minute, Remo. Uh, but you mentioned, let's get to a few of these other hockey stories coming out of the weekend Jacob Truba, not popular with many members of the rest of the National Hockey League, including Andreas Anathanasiu of the Blackhawks. Yeah, Jacob Truba's at it again. Laid out Andreas Anathanasiu over the middle on Saturday. Uh, he had to fight Jonathan Taves. He also had to fight Jujar Kyra in that game for a, a hit to the head on Kyra last year, where Kyra was carried off on a stretcher. I mean, Truba's got a reputation, Hus. Uh, I mean, er- even earlier la- last week, I think it was a week ago, he went to go, like, 
decapitate someone, completely missed and fell off and fell over and completely embarrassed himself. Um, Athanasio, he was able to finish the game. He was fine, but his quote to Ben Pope of the Chicago Sun-Times after the game was, he's an $8 million man with zero goals, so he has to figure out how to do something when making that much. If you can't help the team, I guess you try to hurt guys on the other team. I think Truba's hits are borderline. Um, that one I thought was better than some of the other ones. Notable uh, hits to the head on Seth Jarvis, Nathan McKinnon, Sidney Crosby. Um, I don't know. I don't like the jumping into the head. I, the guy didn't have in Athanasiu notes in his comments. Like he didn't even go for the puck, and the puck's right there. So I think it's been a rough season for Truba's first year as captain, and uh, I enjoy uh, players speaking out against each other and that kind of stuff. So I don't know where you fall on uh, Jacob Truba. Well, I think that CU is a bit of a loser to be, uh, you know, dropping, you know, his contract and his zero goals. The Rangers are more than happy that Jacob Trouba is their guy and their captain right now. And I mean, it just sounds like a little bit of sour grapes. And you know what? Keep your head up, AA. Um, you know what? And Jacob Trouba will make you do that. And listen, I think he's a guy everyone would want on their team. Um, but whatever about Trouba, my favorite story was the continued melting down of that maniac in St. Louis, Jordan Bennington. Bennington, in his last two games, have done something stupid, ended up getting yanked after that idiotic cheap shot to Jason Zucker. Uh, and, of course, they were all the Pittsburgh bench, including Zucker, just laughing at him as he got yanked. And Craig Berube's had enough of Bennington's BS. I don't know if you want to play that, Remo. But, yeah, I got it. Um, okay, well, here, this is, this is what... Uh, Baruby had to say after another Jordan Bennington incident uh, on the weekend. Was well, this a case of Jordan just getting frustrated there yeah. tonight? Yeah. yeah, pretty much, and it's got to stop. Mm. Would you, would you that like doesn't help anything. Pardon me? It doesn't help anything. Yeah, would you like him to just to be more yeah, even just, keel on us? Just play goal, stop the puck. Play goal and stop the puck, pretty simple. Um and, of course, we've seen all sides of Bennington. I mean, he is a guy that can completely lose his composure and it can really hurt his team. He's also a guy that can get hotter than hell and he can go on a run and end up winning a Stanley Cup. But he seems to be far, far away from the guy that was the story of the 2019 season. And uh, his act is seemingly wearing thin on a number of members of the Blues, especially the head coach, Reem. Yeah, he tried to, like, line up Jordan Stahl for a body check behind the net and Stahl just ran him over. As you mentioned, uh, you know, the elbow cheap shot on Jason Zucker is pretty bad. He's done that a couple times. And then, you know, yapping at the bench when you get pulled. Um, they've had enough of, you know, having to answer that kind of stuff. And uh, I am reminded of the are you nervous uh, chance from, you know, the 2019 playoffs. However, he was pretty good there, but seems like he's kind of getting in his own head here this season. Uh, 895 save percentage and 327 goals against and those are um higher or lower i guess the goals against is higher the save percentage lower than last year when he got pulled for Vili huso so uh, not a good I luck for jordy bennington you have to wonder i mean does someone just take a take a run at him or or what's going to happen there i still maintain that if kevin hayes doesn't somehow pull that puck out of yes. off the goal line before it goes in that jordan bennington is well, not where he is right now. He doesn't have the contract he is, and he sure as hell isn't a Stanley Cup champion. Maybe that is just sour grapes. Um, no, it's tough, not. It's accurate. <laughs> tough news about Jake Voracek. He, of course, wasn't here. He's going to be out long-term with concussion symptoms. 
undoubt, uh, doubtful to play the rest of the season. He's had at least seven documented concussions, and that really is concerning. Um, and there was one other weird situation on the weekend, Reem. So Bruce Boudreaux announced Saturday morning that Brock Besser was going to be a healthy scratch and that it was a tough love game. Now, this was the Hockey Fights cancer game, which, as Brock Besser said publicly, was very, very important to he and his family. And uh, and then at the last minute, all of a sudden, he was in the game. Now, he scored. <clears throat> he scored in the game after being planned to be a healthy scratch. I believe they won that game over the Coyotes. Uh, but now it seems like his agent's been uh, given the green light to maybe talk to some other teams about facilitating a trade. Um, just another part of a soap opera of a season for the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, gone really weird. It's funny. I saw that he was a healthy scratch, and I was, and then I'm watching the game, and he's like on the ice uh, scoring goals. I was like, what the hell's going on going on here? Um, yeah, it's been a bad, bad season. Thatcher Demko, he's also out long term for them. I wonder if they're going to start looking at selling. As far as Brock Besser. I was like, oh, would he be a fit in Winnipeg? He's a right shot. He's from Minnesota. His agent is Ben Hankinson, who's uh, Dustin Bufflin's agent. But then I looked at his contract. He's got two more years after this year at $6.65 million. I think that might be a bit too rich. It might be it might make it difficult uh, for someone to try to acquire him, uh, at least this season. Maybe we'll see when the cap goes up. But I'm, I'm very fascinated by Vancouver. Jim Benning, uh, he did a terrible job as GM there, and, and they keep trying to contend when uh, they should have gone into a rebuild for a while. It's been a rough go since they made the Stanley Cup Finals in 2011. I think a lot of it is because of their own incompetence. So uh, I'm very fascinated by by Vancouver, like, like I said just now, and we'll have to see what happens with Brock Besser or Bo Horvat, who's a UFA, um, and if they do make uh, some other moves. So uh, Vancouver, I, Vancouver, very interesting team to me. Besser, Besser's an interesting guy, uh, you know, when you think about, you know, potentials with the Winnipeg Jets. Um, I mean, I know we don't have Ehlers right now, and he is going to be coming back, and he'll be a big, big boost to the lineup. But, man, if you were able to bring him on, and again, it would have to be money in, money out. But, I mean, with 6.65 coming in, uh, you know, leaving the books, I mean, Vancouver maybe could have actually some cap savings on a player like that. Um, you know, you'd think that maybe be somebody from the blue line that they'd look, maybe potentially a prospect, maybe some younger players. Um, I wouldn't entirely rule out that possibility. Uh, and to be honest, I mean, for a guy that scored 24 times, it was, uh, what, 29 goals in 62 games mm -hmm. in 17-18, and coming off back-to-back 23-goal -back seasons, including one in 56 games, there's a lot of potential there with Brock Besser, and I think if you got him into a new, like he's one of those guys that with a fresh start on a new team, I wouldn't be surprised if he can get back to the level that he's shown earlier in his career. And I mean, there might be a big, big win to be gained by a team. I guess the big question is the cost to get him and the numbers, of course, with the salary cap. All says he's from Minnesota, and he was a right shot, and he can score goals. So uh, from Minnesota, he's an instant fit within the Jets dressing room, us instantly. Uh, I see. Uh, I see. Todd in chat says we'll trade you, Smitty, if you want to do money in. No, no, no. He's you can't break up the Minnesota, Minnesota mafia here. You got to just add. We just got to add to it. Come on. Yeah, it, exactly. All right, let's get to the cool bet lines. By the way, I got to give a big shout out to Cool Bet Remo. I don't know if you caught this yesterday, but our partner parlay, we had Minnesota to win. We basically it was the three game money line parlay, Minnesota to win, Pittsburgh to win, and Washington. 
the Washington Commanders. And this was a boosted exclusive. They got the tie. And a lot of us thought that it was going to be an L. Not only did they not make everyone lose the bet, they actually paid it out at plus 245 as if it was a two-game money line parlay. Another reason why we love working with the cool bet folks. And they had to manually get over 100 people that rode with us on the partner parlay. So huge shout out to Pat and Jake and the guys at cool bet for coming through for the people and the lock shoppers. And listen, the picks are up today for tonight's lock shop, uh, the Monday nighter. And Remo, I know this is borderline Barry Horowitzing myself, but at this point, it's not Barry Horowitzing myself. It's basically a public service announcement that if you like free money and you like winners, you should be listening to the lock shop. Another three in one uh, week for myself and the best bets. My record this year, Reem, 34 and 18 against the spread for the best bets, 18 and 10 on the Thursday nighters, both spreads and totals, and 16 and 9 for the Monday nighters. I will probably never have a better year than this year. So if you haven't been checking it out, get to Lock Shop Bets on YouTube, hit the subscribe button, and join us because uh, I'm on an absolute heater. And I think I just cracked into the top 30 in Canada again on the Cool Bet leaderboard. Oh man, yeah, that's a cool thing about. Uh, I love that cool bet leaderboard, but uh, nice work there. I mean, it's pretty tough. I think the best guys are like, if you know, just over fifty percent. So uh, that's a pretty good record there. Sixty-six percent for the year right now, and uh, we are rolling. What do you think about this game tonight? Tampa minus three and an over under of forty-one. The Saints have had the Bucks number over the course of these last couple of years. That being said, I just kind of figured that Brady. Andy Dalton, it's got to be Tampa right now, right? Like at this point, I mean, the division is there for the taking. This is the time they do it, right? I think I'm riding with the Bucks tonight. I think you have to, but yeah, this division is just uh, pretty meh. Uh, so I would probably, yeah, I'll, sure, Hustle. I'll, I, look, you're the guy who's got the, what, 60% win rate, as you said, this season. So if you're feeling the Bucks, they're home, five and six. Leading the division, right? <laughs> and uh, sure, go with the, or go with the, go with the Bucks. Yeah, what was that? As uh, the NFL.com. I'm looking at the standings oh, and stuff. Yeah. It's the worst. I had the. It was the worst site. Any site that like auto plays music. Yeah, ESPN. Terrible. ESPN does that Terrible. quite often as well. Don't do that. Um, so, anyway, so tonight at Cool Bet, you got Bucks, Saints, and the Monday Nighter. Well, let's see what we've got tonight in the uh, National yeah, Hockey League. I was looking at the the hockey um, to, more so tonight. Have you seen we, Colorado's roster uh, for this game against Philly? No. Oh, man. They're missing. Okay, you thought they had injuries here. I think they've uh, got even more since uh, since they came here. I was looking at They've split up McKinnon and Rand. I think Lekkonen's out, too. Um, let me let me pull up, pull up the injury list. But they're... They're in Philly. We can. I'll bring up the games in one sec. I'll throw them up for you. And then okay, well, you, you can what. do that. I'll I'll, I'll fill the, fill people in on the lines. Vegas plus win one fifty three in Boston to take on the Bruins. What a season they've had so far. They're minus one eighty two. St. Louis is in MSG taking on Jacob Trouba and the Rangers. Rangers minus one seventy five home favorites. Blues West plus one forty seven. The Avalanche, as you mentioned, still a big favorite on the road. Why? Because they're playing Philadelphia. Minus 182 for the uh, depleted abs. Philly, a home dog at plus 154. The Oilers, I believe they've won three in a row. 
minus 156 at home to the Capitals, plus 132 for Washington. The Flames, a minus 319 home favorite, massive number against the Coyotes, who are plus 260. And late game, Canadian content on the West Coast, the Habs and Canucks, Montreal plus 185, and the Vancouver Canucks minus 222. Remo, what's the uh, what's the story on the Habs here for tonight? Man, they're, so their lineup, I'll show it to you. My computer's loading. Alex really. Galchenyuk and Martin Kaut are on the top line with yeah. Nate McKinnon? Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's ugly. Well, they split up McKinnon and Ranton just because I guess they don't have any any bodies, but that's where we're at. Um, second line's Rantanen with, I think, Logan O'Connor and, uh, no, sorry, with Alex I got Newhook. Newhook and Charles Houdon. Yeah, I'll put it on here. Third line is Comfort, Cogliano, or Connor. Uh, I mean, Josh Manson's hurt. I mean, we know the injuries that they've had. Let me just bring up this, this list here. I'm sorry, I was struggling. Struggling to find it, but... Uh, Why did you bring it up when it seemed to be completely unavailable for... <laughs> We're trying to get here. Uh, I just looked at, like, we got Manson, Byram, Helm, Rodriguez, Landeskog, McDermott, Bowers, Nikushian, Lekkinen not in the lineup there. I mean, it's, um, that's like a whole group of five dudes. Uh, it's a whole squad, a group of five with Rodriguez, Landeskog, Nikushian, Manson, Byram. I mean, that's a pretty solid, pretty solid, uh, what do you, what do you call a group of five in hockey? Like, what? What's the uh, term? A line. Three, well, Is I guess line's three. Well, line's three or a defense pair. But, like, what do you call it? A unit? Five-man unit? A unit, yes. Yeah. A five-man unit. Perfect. It's a pretty big five-man unit. Uh, you're out there, Huss. So, uh, they're still chugging along. Like, their record coming to the Jets game was incredible. And they did go off uh, in their next game. But there are some... I'm actually interested in this, uh, what, Edmonton, Washington. Washington, Darcy Kemper injured over the weekend. And uh, Arizona's been on this road trip seemingly forever, but... How about Carol Vomelka? Uh, this guy. Best goalie in the league. Second best goalie in the league behind up beside our guy. He might he might be. Um, if he was on a good team, like you would be talking about this guy more. On the Coyotes, he's got what 913 save percentage and 302 goals against on a team that's not trying to win. So historically bad. Historically bad team right now. Just one quick thing on the, you know, for everyone that's talking about the Avalanche, they're still rolling out Nate McKinnon. Miko Rantanen and Kale McCarr. Yeah. So, you know what? They should be a favorite against a team like the Philly Philadelphia uh, Flyers because they don't have a single guy that can compare to any of those three uh, right now. Uh, folks, if you haven't played a cool bet before, use the promo code WST on your first deposit. We'll hook you up with a 100% bonus on your first deposit up to 200 bucks. And make sure you're subscribed to the Lock Shop YouTube channel. You can get all of our content there on a daily basis, myself and Dustin Nielsen. And we're uh, on our drive to 1,000 subs. And when we do that, we're going to be giving away $1,000 to one of our first 1,000 subscribers. So get in the mix for that as well by subscribing on YouTube. Uh, that's going to do it for us. Tomorrow, the return of Pomo. will certainly have comments from the former Winnipeg Jet head coach, from tomorrow morning we'll hear from rick bonus we'll give you all the details on the squad coming into tomorrow's game as the jets finish up this four game homestand looking to finish up at three and one after a two one and one start with that win over chicago that ugly loss on friday to the blue jackets and the comeback win yesterday afternoon against the anaheim ducks thanks so much to jeff hamilton and of course jamie thomas 
and we'll see you tomorrow right here on WST. Thanks again to all the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Enjoy Monday Night Football tonight. We'll see you tomorrow for the Jets and Panthers preview and much more right here on WST. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.